Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips Question and Answer Podcast, the podcast that answers your questions about arcade repair and restoration. Now, here are your hosts, Eric and Rusty. Welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips live show from the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. I'm your host, Eric, and with me is Rusty, who you can hopefully hear above and beyond all the noise that's going on beside us. I don't know. Can you hear me, Eric? Do we sound all right? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me fine? I don't know if I'm the one that needs to make that decision. <laughs> the question is whether or not anybody else can fly live. So if somebody's listening in, just hit that chat button and say, hey, we can hear you just fine. We are watching the chat so that we can see any messages or questions that you have. Jonathan, we're also watching our uh, Facebook test to see whether or not you can hear us. So uh, before we get... You know, and, and we're, we were supposed to have started at 6 o'clock. And there's oh, a good reason why we didn't start at 6 o'clock. We, we had everything planned out. We have some new equipment here. We have all these additional channels for additional microphones. And really a cool it, setup. Oh, man, look at all the lights the on lights this thing. The lights fancy. It's amazing. But when it all came down to it, we have a, had a problem where only two of the inputs are working. So we're going to have to make do with what we have. And I'm sure the background band noise sounds really good, too. I'm not sure how well that's coming across. Hopefully you'll hear our voices well above over the uh, the band playing in the background. What's going on in the background? There's a room where they're playing Zelda. They are. And the band is playing along with Zelda as the guy plays the game. Is he is he a good player? I mean, can he Well, they haven't stopped playing yet. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be interesting. And that's one of the things I found interesting, Eric, is on this show where we're at. It's a Southern Fried Gaming Convention. It is. It's such a varied show. There's so much going on here behind us. Oh, somebody left the door open. Well, hopefully, hopefully this isn't too loud in the in the background. Behind, of course, we have all the arcade machines. We have all the pinball machines and video games. I think at this show there are about 250 of them. Oh, good, he's closing the door now. <laughs> but they also have a lot of other other things going on here. They Did have, we see wrestling? We. We saw the end of the wrestling show, and I hate that that happened. I wanted to see wanted to see the whole thing, but no midgets, right? <laughs> no, not this time around. No, not this time around. But they have the whole board game area behind us, and that is, I think, you can go up to the to the window and use borrow, rent, or whatever a a board game and come play. And they have all these separated areas where. You know, they have uh, whatever tournament, board game tournament in this area. And, and, uh, there, there has, there, they've got rooms set up. There's a room over here called Ultimate Werewolf. I have no idea what, what that is. is oh, but so you pretty, don't, I have no idea what it was. They were all just sitting around in a big circle like it was a big discussion game. So I, obviously, there are just tons of different types of games and, uh, card games. There are people creating card games, introducing them here at this show because it seems to have a good following for the board games and the card game folks. Right. So now, Rusty, I've been here five years, four, however many, whatever this is. I think this this is the fifth year. I've been here five years, but this is your first. Yes. What do you think of it? It's cool. It's like I like it. There's there's a good variety of video games and arcades, and it's a different kind of crowd. I mean, you you get the um, you get the the arcade and pinball folks, but we also see a lot of of unique things things that we wouldn't see at just our at the houston arcade show that we should probably try to recruit i mean the uh there's a lot of people that are there's a lot of custom video games here 
and and pinball games that have been modified and and changed. A lot, you're right. A lot of a lot of custom pinball machines and something from from somebody taking an existing pinball machine, creating new artwork, kind of laying it over the play field and changing the translite all the way to somebody making a game completely from scratch. Yeah, there was like a war tank fighting game that's a pinball game that I saw that it was still whiteboarded. In other words, there was no artwork on it yet, and it was obviously in test, but that was an ad rather interesting. And along those same lines, there were pinball machines like, like Raven that somebody just said, you know, I don't like the way the art looks in the back box. Let's just create a whole new one. Uh, Raven, Genesis, there were several that were like that. That was that was kind of neat. Yeah, that was. There was some really cool-looking uh, games that I saw, and there was some really unique games. There was uh, one of the games that, that they had here at Project Pinball, and we're going to be talking with Daniel from Project Pinball here in a little bit, but Project Pinball is here, and they have a game set up called Ready, Set, Fire. They made like 390 of these games. That was it. Uh, and since it was such a rare game, they have a contest. Whoever has the highest score at the end of the day gets a little swag, gets something from them. Costs $5 to play, which of course goes toward Project Pinball. But uh, never played the game, never actually seen it because there's only 390. Played it, figured out the rule set, and found out it was quite fun. And you, right now you've got the highest score on it, right? No, somebody took it. From somebody me. got it? Somebody took it from me. Are you going to go spend some more money? I've already gave him five bucks, didn't make it. And I'm going to have to try it, it again. <laughs> This, this sounds like a carnival game where how much money do I spend trying to win the prize, right? Well, exactly, exactly. Kind of like what uh, Aaron Sanders and Todd Dupree did. Oh, you know, well, you were there. I wasn't. Do you want to oh, talk about that? Oh, you didn't see that? that? No, right. I wasn't there. So there was a – there's this huge Super Galaga. Space mach- Invaders. Space Invaders. Super Space Invaders. You sit down at this thing. The screen's in front of you. It's large probably, LED panel. Yeah, it's probably like 20 foot tall. It's huge. Something you would see like at Dave and Buster's. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And what they did was they said, okay, from this time to this time, you get in line, two players, whichever player, whoever has the highest score, wins a full-size NBA basketball four-player Like an NBA game. fast break? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Aaron Sanders and uh, Todd Dupree, who are both here with us, they sat down, and Todd shot just the guy that's about to kill you. The way it works is this, as it comes down, if the guy goes across the bottom, he wipes you out, you're done. Todd didn't shoot anything. All he shot was the guys that got close, allowing Aaron to run up the points and get all oh, the so points. Oh, so they tag-teamed the this. So they tag-teamed. Well, it's two players, but every time somebody sat down there with two players, both players were trying to get all the points they could. Well, Todd just sat back, got just kept him alive, and let Aaron rip up on the points, and he did. And he ended up winning the NBA fast did he, back. Did, did he know that this was how to beat the do they, well on the that's game? That's the way they they watched the show, figured out what what to do. I don't know where they saw someone else, but they figured out what to do. So Aaron said, "Let me shoot." And Todd said, "I'll save you." And the way they went, and they've got the highest score. Now you've said these names, and you know we know who these people are, yeah. but. These we let, let's talk about how we got here. <laughs> that was an adventure, wasn't it? <laughs> so of course we're Rusty and I are both from Houston, and here we are in Atlanta. But we didn't fly here. No, <laughs> Eric doesn't like to fly. I don't like to fly. So <laughs> so how did this all come about? Well, you didn't want to fly. We decided to go. We were going to drive, and then I and then 
Blake or somebody else joined. Somebody else joined us, and I said, "Well, let's just take well, the we're going RV. now from two people to three people. people. Maybe some more people want to go. Yeah, let's just take the RV. So I have a 28 foot Class A motorhome. We load it up, and we two got people became seven. Seven people. people. Six people out of Houston. One person, Todd Dupree, out of Louisiana. We stopped in Crowley, Louisiana, picked up Todd, and we drove 13, 14 hours to get here. It's been a blast. I've had fun. So we have two people that rode with us in the RV that have now won a full-size arcade machine. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. What are we going to do? <laughs> How are we getting this thing back? We're gonna well, st- are we going to strap it on top of the RV? Luckily enough. Right after they won the machine, a guy walked up and said, hey, how are y'all going to get that home? We said, I don't They looked at me, and I said, dude, don't look at me because <laughs> it ain't going to fit inside. Well, next thing you know, the guy said, well, we'd be interested in buying. They worked out a deal, and they sold it. Right so there everybody's the happy. Everybody's happy. They, Oh, yeah. they And Todd, I think Todd and Aaron kind of had that in their back pocket, figured that's what was going to happen anyway. They could buy them, get the machine, and now they paid for their trip here. So... So yeah, it, it was a pretty good deal for him. That was that's that's pretty cool. So what else did we? Uh, what else did you see, notice around you that was kind of interesting at this show? The uh, the big Donkey Kong was kind of interesting. Oh right. How tall? Okay. So somebody made I don't know who that somebody is, but somebody yeah. made a Donkey Kong that is how tall would you say that Donkey Kong is? Oh, it has to be 15, 20 feet. 15, uh, okay, maybe uh, not. That's, well, that's a Texas st- exaggeration, I believe. <laughs> you step up three steps just to reach the con. You're on you're on three steps up just to reach the control panel. Right. And then the screen's above that. So you're probably three, six, nine, at least 10, 12 foot. Right, right. It's got to be, yeah, 10 to 12 feet tall. Yeah, huge. Donkey Kong. Every, and Kong. everything's proportional. It's all, it, the control panel's large, the, the the monitor bezel is large, everything. The, the buttons are even large. Yeah, the buttons are, and, but, and it looks really good. I but the gameplay itself is, and somebody put a little sticker on there saying it's not MAME, <laughs> it's a, so it's running an original Donkey Kong board set, yeah. so we're told. And it's signed. <laughs> it is that sticker signed. is signed. The This Is Not Mame sticker is signed by Billy Mitchell. Mitchell. It, it's awesome. We took the picture. I've got to get some of those stickers. I've got to get Billy to sign some of them. That is just awesome. Well, that's what we need to ask Billy. We're hoping to get Billy on here a little bit later today, and that's one of the things we want to ask him because he seems to be taking this, uh, every, all the events, very well in stride, and it would be interesting to ask him about that sticker and about the signing of it and how all that came about. Right. Anything else really grab your attention here? There's a lot of different things, and I think what we'll do is we'll talk to some of the folks that we found around here. And uh, some folks are have a booth. Some folks were just walking around, like this gentleman sitting next to me. Hey, guys, what's going on? Well, yeah, Rusty. Well, sorry. Okay, so we ran into a little bit of a technical issue as we were trying to get everything set up. That issue is that we – that's why Rusty is shuffling around on the other side is that uh, you see this nice new fancy equipment yeah. that has all these inputs? We can only use these two. So, oh, no. So we're going to do some uh, – Rusty and I are going to um, – Going we're to share chick to chick to chick <laughs> yeah. here and talk. How about that? I like it. I like it. He's worried about us now. So first, let me just let me just. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you do for a uh, for a living. For a living, which is right. pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jeremy Smith. Uh, I'm the owner of Reboot Retrocade and Bar. It's out of Macon, Georgia. 
Uh, that's Reboot Macon, R-E-B-O-O-T-M-A-C-O-N.com. Please look us up. Uh, and, and if you're in the Macon area, we're kind of a go-between between Florida and Atlanta. We're about an hour south of Atlanta on 75. Uh, and off of Interstate 16, right where those two major interstates meet, is the town of Macon. town of about 100,000, 90,000, 100,000. Uh, and they've been, the city's been good to us. We've been open about a year and a few months, and uh, it's, it's only been getting better. I, I'm the owner-operator, so I operate a lot of the games. I have a business partner and a life partner who runs all the finances for me because I'm not very good at numbers. Uh, the place would have gone belly up long before that, but she's a, she's a lot more shy than I am, so she doesn't sit in on a lot of this stuff. So, now I spoke with you last year, and everything was just just started. And you told me all the uh, the obstacles you had to mm-hmm. deal with when you were you know just you know building codes and and yeah. Uh, <laughs> getting the money together for uh, financing the whole operation and everything right. and it was really interesting because you know rusty has an arcade as well and has a you know similar stories and yeah. uh as as a guy that that started in this just a few years ago and really started in the hobby two years ago guys like rusty it's kind of standing on the shoulders of giants i know he's sitting here and he's probably too humble to be uh, to take that compliment but uh, it's guys like Rusty that make guys like me possible, that that have a passion for the games but don't necessarily understand the nuances or, or what the problems are when it comes to those kind of things. Well, what is the structure of your business? Like some some places are like a barcade where it's just, you know, you put your quarters in the machine and it's, you know, a bar slash arcade. Some, right. Rusty's business is a kind of a almost like a health club where it's a membership where you go in and everything's on free play. Mm-hmm. What is your... So my model is the barcade model. Uh, it is a bar with a gimmick, essentially. I make all of my profit pretty much off of the alcohol. Uh, the games, we do tokens. We do token play, but a token costs a quarter, and one token gives you one credit, and that's one play. So some of the games, especially some of the older games, uh, that's about what they would cost and when it comes to operating them, the, the maintenance cost. And others, I actually lose money. Over the all the games I have about I have about forty eight cabinets on the floor playing about fifty four games if you take some of the some of them because I have like a Pac Man party and I have a Galaga that's got multi chips in it so it's running Galaga one two and three uh, that I take sort of a net I won't say net loss I'm, I'm a little behind on that but the al- I get a ton of alcohol sales and so when you decided you were going to make this. This uh, uh, this this arcade, um, that was how you had it in mind all the time. It's like the the alcohol is how you'll make the make exactly. The money yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the model we latched onto because we saw that w- that's what would make the most without having a barrier to entry, such as a membership or a uh, pay at the door model, which is what a lot of people use, which is great uh, for for large population areas or dense population areas where it's close. I think the biggest issue being that for us is that our town was so small and so much of our business was walk by business from other businesses. We're between restaurants. We're between three restaurants and a major venue location, uh, that's a theater. Location, location. Exactly. So it's a great location, but I had to figure out a way to encapsulate that where people could come in for just a few minutes, spend a little bit of money, and then leave when they want to without feeling like they're trapped. What do you think about this this news article that surfaced a few weeks ago where I believe in New York someone said, you know what, we we came up with the idea 
barcade. So the term barcade is ours. We're going to go after people that use the term barcade. Yes. Uh, so, so the I have not personally read that article in its entirety, but it's something that I saw sitting in the weeds a few years ago when it came to naming my my establishment. Uh, that again, which she's not here right now, or she's too shy to sit in, but. But Whitney has a business background. She's my business partner, Whitney Boyer. Uh, she has a business background, and both of her parents are lawyers, and so they deal with those sort of things. So she keyed on the fact that, listen, they have this registered. They have it copyrighted. So they will eventually, if they haven't started now, they will start attacking people as Barcade enters the vernacular. If they, I won't say that maybe they didn't coin the term, coin the term, but they put it in the public space. They've built a model. Uh I don't know how much ownership you can have over something like that that's very ethereal, but as far as the terminology of Barcade as a single word, they kind of own it. I, I moved my media away from it to make sure that when I started, I wouldn't use it. But, you know, it's the ball's kind of in their court right now, and we're, I won't say uncharted territory, we're kind of in the weeds on this legally. And a lot of people are saying, is Barcade sort of a business model or is it a brand? And Barcade right now is pushing that brand. They're outside of New York State and into Pennsylvania at this point, so it's down to the lawyers at this point. And right. I just don't – it's not a fight I want to be involved in. I'm too small of an establishment. So I set my whole media presence to make sure that that wouldn't happen. That's great that you had a, that much forethought to be able to deal with this if it happened. Right. And, uh, and it did happen. You know, yeah. it's interesting because we, uh, we – we just went to, myself and my marketing guy, Joe Crookham's one of the other owners, we just went and spoke at a business uh, education symposium at a college there in Montgomery and Houston area. And one of the things that we told them in the whole bust of our conversation was, you don't know what you don't know. And in the business, you don't know. Yeah, and, and it's those things you don't know that stick right. up behind you. And, and since you don't know what could be the ramification, it's better to avoid that issue. Right. It's... So we get a lot of emails now. I think, I won't say that we were like a big rocket ship of success. It's the fact that we made our model work in a town that's sort of a moderate-sized city. And so we've gotten a lot of questions, a lot of emails about how we make it work and why. And Whitney does feel a lot of those. But I will say the biggest thing I've taken away from her and what I've learned over that year and a half and something that you touched on, it's not what you know. Uh, it's a great business or our great business modeling or getting something off the ground and making sure it's successful is leveraging what you know. But the biggest thing is learning what you don't know. It's important to know what you don't know. And I've had a lot of people ask questions and it's obvious that, that what they don't know, they're way out of left field and they can't even figure out that there's these kind of, I won't say voids, but it's, it's a void of knowledge basically. Yep. And you can't get caught on that. You need to be I won't say constantly searching, but especially in that, because it took us a year to conceptualize. It, it took us a year from concept to being like, legally, what can we do? What is What are our parameters here? What are we working with? What do we not know? Yeah. And it took us it took us months, six, yeah. seven months. Reducing that risk mitigation of what exactly. you don't know. Yeah. Risk mitigation. That's, that's the term I was thinking of. <laughs> it's all about risk mitigation in business, because if you can mitigate a huge amount of your risk, it increases your profit down the road, and it, it yeah. keeps you from finding pitfalls. And I think so many guys have a passion for arcades, and especially pinball, and that's amazing. And that passion shows through. A, a lot of what I did, because I have no formal education, at least secondary education when it comes to college. I'm, I don't have an electrical engineering background. I don't even have a programming background. I was literally just a roadie. I worked in the film industry for a while. 
I had lived small and saved up money, so I was bringing some cash to the table, but it was sweat equity. And so I bought 14 machines, not knowing anything about them, put them in my house in a room, broke them down and started putting them back together saying, I need to know how to do these things. I need to know. I need to put my hands on it. So all your games are uh, arcades. You have, how many pinballs do you have? Let's see. I have nine right now, and I have okay. eight on the floor. And okay. I have I have nine, and then I have pieces of other ones. Oh, I've yeah, yeah, yeah. Projects yeah, yeah. that, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, that they'll never be 100%, but you absolutely, got Absolutely, absolutely. And all your games, are they uh, original game boards? Are they main? So I have, they... original, I have original game boards in, in all the cabinets. My Galaga is running a hacked multi-board. I took a 61 and broke it down yep. and rewrote. Uh, and my Pac-Man, I did the same thing. I took a 46 and one, broke it down, rewrote. But I have original boards sitting in them. Uh, and I, I use original ROM lifts. So okay. I lifted, rewrote, and then set Well, that's on. good. We like to hear that. The, yeah. Being the retro, we really like yes. to hear that. Yes. I, I, I stay away from multi-cades as much as possible, but it's about longevity of the programming. If I can get pure lifts and I can present a game that is quote-unquote broken in certain ways, but is a good, it, it is a true presentation of that, I try to do it. Now, some guys are, are big on the CRTs. I have some flat screens just because I'm trying to preserve cabinets. You know, this is something we talked about in our last podcast. This is my opinion on it. I don't know if Rusty shared my same opinion, but for me, I feel like there's kind of a, a point in time where if a game is after, say, mid-90s, it's okay to replace it with an LCD screen just because of the level of the graphics have gotten better. It's It seems to translate well to an LCD screen, and also you're getting rid of a, you know, 150-pound monitor and putting in a 15-pound exactly. monitor. And, and from a business standpoint, it's not just a weight issue when it comes to moving that cab. It's an energy, it's an energy draw. How much money are you spending on your electrical bill? And that's, uh, that's important when it comes to business because that's extra dollars I can put into making my experience better. It's extra dollars I can put into making my arcade better. And if it saves me $15 a year on my power bill, that's one cabinet. If I do it, if I have 55 times, cabinets. Right. Times 40 or whatever the, the number right. may be. I mean, my, a lot of people, I think, don't, don't understand the monthly cost of having those kind of CRTs. You'll have, I have an $800 a month power bill. You know, and I, I have green energy. I have certain rebates and stuff that we're able to take advantage of just because of where we are in the state. That there's, so I'm going to jump from kind of the business money part of this to something. When I when I met you here at this show last year, you handed me a token that was from your place that was you know not a generic token, but had your your arcade's name on it. And how? Tell me a little bit about that process, like. How, did you come up with the – does it have artwork on it or is it just mm-hmm. kind of the, have the name of it? Like, did you come up with all that and and how did you get it made and how much does it cost to get a personalized token made? Do you want a personalized right. token? I would love a personalized <laughs> token. What are you talking I, about? Here it is. Uh, Hoffman Mint. I'll, I'll go ahead and put it out there. Uh, our tokens are minted in the U.S. Uh, there are ways to get them from overseas. Having gotten a few samples, I will say the quality that you get from getting them printed in the U.S. is a lot higher simply because Hoffman Mint uses old coin printing stampers that oh, okay. that do a deep, a good deep cut token. Uh, they use quality zinc. Uh, I, I can't speak to the, the quality of the other producers, but I'm really happy uh, with with what Hoffman has provided for us. They're out of the Tampa area. Uh, they still print the tokens because some of the uh, Disney World Midway Arcade, the Disney World Midway Arcade, at least a couple of years ago, used to take, um, which they're running a contest right here, but they, 
Yeah, but uh, they used to. They actually still have some older machines that run tokens, and they're the same mint that prints Disney World's tokens for for Orlando. Uh, and they do it basically by zinc weight. Once you have the hardest, the most expensive part, I would say, is the designing because you're got you got to pay an artist, a graphic designer, sure. to do that. They do a little bit of it. They do some basic work, scaling, and other things. I would say this too: don't make your token too busy. Uh, you have very little to work with, so think of it like a black and white image. Yeah. Um, and well, ours, cool. ours came out at about ours worked out to about eighteen to nineteen cent a token. Is but how you're buying them out. in quantities too, right? Sure, I buy mine ten thousand at a time, so, yeah. so they go up beyond that. And so at that pro- at eighteen nineteen cents per token. You know, if it were less, you wouldn't really care if people took their bought their tokens, took them home, and never used them again. But now they're close to a, a quarter. Close a to a quarter. You're gonna, you know, eventually over time, you're gonna lose lose some in the sense that people take them home and don't bring them oh, back. Oh, sure. And you have to replenish those. So, it's well, I, I will say this: I projected to probably have to buy tokens one more time. Like when I did the initial order, I was like, okay, I got to pay it. It's about hundred and fifty dollars to get your what's called a die cut. And you can get a die cut that's a one-time die cut, and it's a little bit cheaper. I would say, though, if you're going to run them in an arcade, anticipate, get the ten, what they call the 100,000 stamp. So they make the die, and it's guaranteed for 100,000. We actually had to have our die recut. I probably purchased a, about 60,000 tokens at this point. Wow. A lot walk out the door. Wow. Uh, well, but, we can do some quick math and realize yeah. those tokens cost you a lot. Yeah, they, they cost did. me they a did. whole lot of yeah. money. Now, uh, does your, does, does, you're in Georgia. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes. is the state of Georgia like state of Texas where if you're dropping coins, you have tax stamps to put on the yep. machines? And yep. you pay that once per whatever? I pay it once a year. Uh, I pay an operator's license, license. So I operate with a master operator's license. Uh, I have 50, below 55, so I pay $2,000. And last year I was paying a $500,000 flat for the location plus 25 for each machine. So I pay, as the operator, I pay 25. And since I own the location, I also pay 25 wow. to have the machine on the floor. And they do come in and check me. They've checked me twice. Wow. I actually I actually know my representative, the guy that comes in and checks me. He lives right up the street, and he's a super cool guy. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I have my own feelings about the state doing that. Yeah. Um, I get that everybody's got to collect their – everybody needs their pound of flesh. Yeah. I, I have a lot of problems with it. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're pushing a lot of people out of the industry because uh, the state of Georgia also allows gamblers, sort of video uh-huh. poker type things. Oh, that, okay. That kind of throw a monkey wrench in what I do because I'm all class A, and they won't, you know. So they, they won't separate. So they won't separate. A, they treat a, me a just like a gambling. machine is a gaming machine. Wow. Right. Every machine's a gaming machine. So wow. I'm under the same amount of scrutiny as the as the guy operating a gambling machine and probably paying cash out the back door. So oh, wow, that's they crazy. they look on me with the the state looks on me with a bit of unearned suspicion when I'm just trying to sure make just a lot of people happy. Yeah, that's. I'm cool, just trying actually. to keep a few games and, and yeah. make some people happy and. You know, yeah. you'd, you'd think I was a criminal in the eyes of the Georgia Lottery <laughs> Corporation. Uh, the Department of Revenue, interesting fact. I don't know how they do it in Texas. The state of Georgia basically sold their Department of Revenue to the Georgia Lottery Corporation, which is a privately held company. Wow. wow. So uh, you have a privately held company with its own board of directors hiring people, operating as a for-profit business, deciding how the state regulate certain tax collections so that's its own wow. its own fun thing i'm i'm wow. a libertarian at heart so i have my own problems with that yeah. but yeah well that's that, i want to go that's, on a tangent that's, yeah no that's fine that's fine it's good to hear because we made the conscious decision that we wanted to go to a just be free play so we do entrance fee but what we do is and 
I don't like doing the math. I don't like doing adding this and adding tax to it. So everything in my door is tax included. Mm-hmm. And then all I do is whatever I put in the bank, everything I deposit in the bank is the revenue I brought in, and I just break the taxes down and pay percentage of tax on that. Yep. I'm happy. Makes I probably pay more taxes than I would if I did buy coins. But I'm perfectly okay yeah. with that because they don't bother me about which, it. Which is what I love about the token model. So if I took actual money, I would have to, like, if I took quarters in the machines, I'd have to pull the quarters, count them. And true, I don't have the cost of printing tokens, but I sell the tokens as a retail item, quote unquote. Oh, okay. And so I, I pay my 7% to the state, which is encapsulated in that quarter. Uh, the same for my drinks. All my drinks are round numbers. I like having round yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's a $3 beer, it's whatever. My, there you my, go. my tax is built in. People leave with whole dollar bills. I have less change to count. There and you go. There you go. It works out great. So you've been in business now for a, a little, little, a little over bit. a year, mm-hmm. and things are still going well. I mean, do you see going that strong. this is what you will be doing as long as you can? As long as I can. As long as the people keep paying me to play my machines, I will have machines <laughs> on the floor. So you, and you said you had how many? I have 48 cabinets, 48? and you I'm running that 53. expanding, or are you about that happy with the floor space? Or is it a limitation of how much room you have? Yeah. So I have I have an actual indoor lawn. So I have an extra about 800 square feet of open, I would call it wall space, that I did have when I had the build-out done that I had outlets put in on. But I actually have turf laid inside, and I have because I don't have an outdoor patio space. It's just yeah. one of the limitations of my building. So I have an indoor patio. It's indoors. It's climate-controlled. I I play That's cornhole awesome. out. I have cornhole boards out there and That's other cool. lawn games and a, a big projector screen that drops oh, down cool. for movies. So I, you I can dynamically movies. change the location according to what's right. doing well. Exactly. So. That's good. That I flex. Good. I like to flex the space. Uh, sometimes we run tournaments. I had a Mortal Kombat 2 tournament. I actually put the machine back there, uh, lanced the video off of a converter, but I used yeah. it just as a patch through. Lanced the video off, pulled it off for VGA, and put it on the projector. So when you're playing Mortal Kombat 2 for the tournament, people could watch without having to sit over the That's actual great. cabinet. That's yeah. cool. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you're doing well. I hope that I come here next year and I run into you again, and you're like, and things are even better now than they even are. better. Absolutely, it's, absolutely. That's the hope, and and I, I sincerely hope that it that we kind of bring back. I think that arcades sort of went down, and I'm hoping that I know that Barcade kind of owns the concept of Barcade, but what they've produced. And I hope they can take a lot of pride in it and maybe not go after so many people is that they've produced a model that brings back the feel of the arcade. It's not just a nostalgia-driven thing. It's It, it crosses lines. It, it crosses the age gap very well. Because we allow children for the first five hours. We're open every day for parents to bring their kids in and see what they play and see the evolution of games. Games now are such a home, solitary thing that we have an opportunity as these businesses, as as individuals that loved the old arcades, to have that social aspect come back. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's exactly what we see as well. I, it, it's, it's really cool. And as far as this barcade thing, is my opinion on it, I have used the term barcade, we- not because of somebody else up in New York. So I think that it's the first time this goes to court, and they're going to sue somebody. Somebody gets to be right. the guinea pig. Yep. And you just didn't want it to be you, and I totally get that. But once somebody, they're going to hit somebody and say, hey, you're not a barcade. I think that person, when they stand up, I think it's going to be really, really difficult because the, the preponderance of evidence has to be on the person suing. Exactly. And, and there's so many people that just say, all we're doing was adding a B to the word arcade. arcade. It is just so easy to say yep. it doesn't make sense. And where sense. do you put the dash? Do you say bar dash, dash cade, cade or are you saying B dash arcade? 
There's a lot of I iterations. Dash in it. Exactly. Barcade. It's just barcade. Yeah. And when people ask me what I am, I describe it as a barcade. Barcade, absolutely. Because it's an should. easy go-to model. I'm an arcade with a bar, or I'm a bar with an arcade in it. It there works both go. ways. Way, however you want to look at it. <laughs> I, I agree, and, and it's going to be an interesting case. I'm going to follow it very closely, and I wanted to avoid it just because Let's say in, in five or ten years I'm doing well enough where I do want a franchise or yeah. I open just a second location second because location. there's a demand for it. Yeah. I don't suddenly want five, six, seven, eight years of, of work and, and building a brand name to suddenly have to shift things radically. Yeah. Which is what I'm which is has always been a deep fear of mine. So I work to make sure that and, and I understand people wanting to protect those brand names because we spent three months shopping names legally. Yep. Just what can we do? Oh, what can wow. we do? So what you can we do? invested all that time. It's a just... lot of time. It's a lot of time. And there's some monetary investment. It's minimal, though, when you register with the state and, and the country sure. and pat, sure. uh, copyright office. But I can understand them wanting to protect it. But it's really more the argument is, is it a business type? Is it a business model? Or is it a brand? Yeah. And, and I know that they own the brand, but... If you make the argument from a business type standpoint of it's just a in the vernacular descriptive term, it's it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough, and I'm with you. Yeah, that that lawsuit's coming. Yeah. I'm really interested see to see how, how the courts roll. Yeah, yeah, where it does. Well, Robert, really appreciate you stopping yes, by. Yes, absolutely. Did it. I, I and we wish you continued success. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go sit in on Billy's panel. There's controversy all over our industry. Yeah, I'm, there is. I'm excited to see what he has to say. It's, it's kind, kind of exciting, exciting isn't it? It, it? it gives it something, man. It gives it something. Absolutely. So. All right, well, Robert, thank Thanks you so much. Thank you guys. very much for talking to us. Okay, well, so I'm walking around the Southern Fried today, and we are also the game preserve is also getting very ready to uh, do a uh, the video game tournaments and stuff at the Houston Arcade Show happens that happens in October. And one of the things we wanted to do that I wanted to do is make sure that when we did the uh, the fighter games and console uh, tournaments that we would be able to put these up on a uh, big screen. And so I'm walking around through here, and lo and behold, here it is, the complete setup, all this. My thought was, hey, man, what it take to do that? I'd like to know just how it take to do this. And I found the person running the show and said, what's going on? And this is what you do? Well, this is my side business. I have a full-time job, but uh, I, yeah. I definitely spend most of the time outside of work working on this well cool so, let's introduce yourself and your company and well, what you do I'm, I'm hal hawkins i'm the owner and founder of the retro world series i started this started building it in 2015 and promoting it in 2016 uh, we've been going to conventions and expos and having our own standalone tournaments all across the country uh, we've been to places like vegas and phoenix and now our first year here in atlanta we're going to philadelphia in two weeks, and we're just going to be all over the place. Wow, and you have a really nice setup that you have. Tell us about the setup you have here, and then what, what, how you can expand beyond that or get smaller. How's, how's that well, work? Th this is a relatively small setup. Uh, now, a, a lot of places we don't have a, a stage, which we'll put the, we have a big, you know, that 22-foot screen you saw. We'll put that on the floor. Um, the, these, you know, this convention was nice enough to give us a stage. Um but we generally have between you know 25 to 40 TVs set up, um, depending on the size of the space a convention gives us. Uh, you know we've we've provided as many as 50 55 TVs or so to conventions that want to want our want our TVs for their free play as well. 
and um, so it, it depends. It depends on the convention, and we, we, we're pretty flexible in that, in that way. But we do, we do try and um, encourage the conventions to give us enough space to at least let, the 20, let us put up our big screen because I think that's a real eye-catcher, and it makes it, makes it feel like a, a real competitive venue when you have something like that to make it a spectator event. We, we want to make um, retro gaming competitive again and make it a spectator event that you enjoy sitting down and watching. So when we're talking about the retro gaming, the competitive of the retro gaming, right. what games specifically do you normally see running? Um, we normally at a lot of conventions will, uh, you know, our you know basic ones are Smash 64, Super Turbo is very popular. We'll do Mortal Kombat 2 or Mario Kart. Um, those are kind of the, the, the standards. And uh, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl has a great following, especially in the north. Uh, we're, we're trying to bring it down here to the south where there's not a lot of organized tournaments for it. Uh, NBA Jam, um, you know, can be popular in certain areas. And that's uh, all on the consoles. Yes, style. all on the consoles. Uh, we... We haven't gotten to the point where we want to bring a bunch of arcades. It seems like every They're time, heavy. yeah, and, and and it's like, oh, I moved it five feet. Now it doesn't work. So, <laughs> I wish uh, they that. And, and when and when you uh, have to drive them uh, twenty five hundred miles, you, it's, yeah. it makes it a little tough to to move them all. So I bet, I bet. So um, what you have here is you have the big screen up front. You have a stage where two people play, and then you have. 25 TVs with separate consoles? Yes. Right now we have, I think, 16 at this event. But most, like I said, most of the conventions will have anywhere from 25 to 50 set up. So. And they have individual PS2s or Xbox? Yeah, Ataris, uh, NESs, SNESs, Sega Genesis. Uh, we've recently switched from using uh, PS2s for Super Turbo to Dreamcast, which has a, a, a better port, and so we got a bunch. Of, I, I got a bunch of Dreamcasts for that, and uh, we're wanting to make um, improve our our Mortal Kombat experience, so we're getting Xbox 360 so we can play arcade-perfect Mortal Kombat ports now using consoles, whereas the ports for Mortal Kombat, like Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 aren't that great compared to the arcade, but with the Xbox 360, you can pr- basically we get an arcade perfect port. Yeah. And so, so the one of the things that we at the Game Preserve have avoided those going to those consoles right. is because I just do if I set one up, somebody's going to walk off with the controller, or they're going to get mad and they're going to smash it. How does that? Is that what? Is well, that true? Well, I, I I've had maybe I've had one. I know for sure I've had one memory card walk away. One okay. me- for a PS2 had a memory card walk away. Uh, for those who know about PS2s, it was a free McBoot card, so I guess they knew what it was and took it. But um, uh, no, I haven't. I, I, I label everything so they know it's ours. And um, you don't I put guess, any special kind of locks or cable no. Um, so at some places, if we have more expensive stuff, I have these. Uh, I built these display cases that can lock and keep them in place, and, and know, especially when you're dealing with sixty dollar cartridges and stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know, I had a, um, a convention let's play in, in in Dallas. You know, they had the last year they had the Nintendo PlayStation on display, and they used our my the, the display case I used to keep it secure. So, oh, okay. uh, so people could play it, but couldn't mess with it. So, especially because it's the only one in the world. So, <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, not only do you set up and do the whole. Uh, projection and all of that at the things, but you also organize those tournaments as yes. well. Yes, we to them. Um, we 
Uh, we stream them. Uh, if we're lucky enough to have some good staff on our hands, which I've got some pretty good staff members, but if we have enough, we do commentary as well. Uh, we we want to we want to like I said we want to make it a, a competitive and, and uh, experience. We want to make it a, a good spectating experience. And so, how many shows do you do around the Houston area? Um, we haven't done any shows. We we did Retro Palooza Houston um, in 2016 to promote the event, but we haven't actually. Uh, been brought on by any conventions in the Houston area. We did a standalone tournaments at St. Arnold's Brewery in downtown, uh, kind of a retro gaming night where we had tournaments. They uh, we organized with the Houston retro gamers to uh, bring in, you know, like a swap meet. People sold their stuff, and that was that was a good event. Uh, we had to postpone it because of the hurricane, so the turnout wasn't as great probably as it could have been. But uh, you know, that was that was a good experience. So, so you have your own promotion channels and yes. Facebook followers yes. and all that. All stuff. of that, yeah. So, is there like a sanctioning body for these uh, tournaments? Like, we submit the scores to whoever, or is it just, hey, this we're just here to have fun? We yeah. we um, we have a competition. We have a player of the year competition for each season that we do, and so the more tournaments you, you play in, the better you do. You earn points towards that player of the year leaderboard. We have a really nice trophy we give at the end of the year, and so. Uh, if you if, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you want to play in as many events as possible. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's uh, one guy. He hadn't won the Player of the Year award, but he's gotten close. Uh, I he he played in one of our tournaments in Houston. Then I saw him again in Phoenix, played in our tournaments there. Then I saw him again today for the first time. So he, so he you know, there's there's players that go all over, and so uh, that's what we want to encourage. We want to encourage participation and. Um, we're, we're currently working on rebuilding our website to where we can keep track of statistics. Uh, we are keeping track of all the st- statistics we can for Tecmo Super Bowl so that people can keep track of the teams they've picked, the you know how many yards they've gotten. And we, we want to make it a, a, you know, like I said, a, a you know, just like just like you see with Smash uh, events, you know, you can go and see the s- statistics of what character they're more, most likely to choose and what their win, win-loss ratio is, and that's what we're wanting to create. So with the tech tech mobile, do you get tired of hearing hut 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 hut? Well, no. I, most people um, most people hike the ball pretty quickly. Uh, I, I think I think the, I think the only thing is that in between tournaments is we have to re- remember to turn down the music because the music for some games can get kind of repetitive, and so uh, you know, and switch to our own music so it doesn't get quite stuck in your head. Because sometimes at the end of a very long day, you, just, you get a game stuck in your head, and you're like, oh no, I'm not gonna be able to go to sleep until I get this game music out of my head. So. So, did you enjoy playing the game before then, and this is kind of why you wanted to do this? Um, I, you know, I grew up with some retro game, was with some consoles. Uh, I started out with an Atari. I had an Odyssey. Um, I got an NES when everyone had a SNES, and um, you know, I, I didn't get my SNES until I was in college. So, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get quite the experience, but I still enjoyed it. Um, I was a college athlete. I was a state champion in high school, and so. I really enjoy competition, and since I can't play sports anymore and I like old-school games, I figured this would be a good opportunity to merge the two, especially since no one seems to be doing doing this anywhere. Well, so. it's really interesting, the, the business model you have. Now that you've done that, though, do you still go home and play those games? Uh, every now and then. Uh, like I said, uh, when, when, I'm, when I'm not working, I'm, I'm home working. Um, there's two games I really enjoy, uh, NBA Jam. Uh, I, do, I do have most of the world records of that on Twin Galaxies. Uh, really? So... That's kind of one of those things. If I do have a chance, I'll play that. Um, uh, so you have the world records on? For I have the world records for NBA Jam and NBA Jam Tournament Edition on SNES, 
Sega Genesis, most of those. Um, Game most Boy. Yeah, I, 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 one guy recently took my uh, NBA Jam Sega Genesis one, which I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm that great at because I never, I never played it as a kid. So uh, it takes a little, it takes a little adjustment. So when I have the time, I'll have to go back and revisit that one. So. <laughs> well, that, that's, I, you know, and I had, we just met the other day. I saw yeah. the thing. I was just excited about and it. And this conversation is, is really learning a lot more about who, how yeah. Hawkins, is that the right yes. name? Yeah. How, who you really are. And that, that's really interesting. I, I had no idea that you have these world records and things of this nature. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's not that big a deal. Sport, I, I, I remember well, there were some guys that, 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 that were kind of trash talking it because to them on Twin Galaxy sports games aren't that high on the list of, of records whereas you know you've got to be after the good games you know the classic games to be get respect whereas sports games are kind of on the bottom tier of records but it's still fun for me I like the competition the adrenaline rush you know anybody so. that's got those got good at something yeah. to where they can say I hold the world records I'm better than anybody else that that's something, dude. It well, doesn't matter what I, age you get. Records are made to be broken, and so I don't I don't generally say it a lot because I used to have all of them, and then that guy took them. So I, I if I if I kept bragging about it, someone's going to take it, and I'm going to look like an idiot. So <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm I, I'm like I hold. What I like to say is I hold them for now. Yeah. Because there 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 is always that possibility. Well, that's cool. So we have the. Uh, We've talked a little bit about it. There's, um, I'm hoping, and if we can get all our cards right and he can get his schedule right, uh, we can get the space. Uh, we're going to see if we can't work out to maybe get you guys to come down to Houston Arcade. Oh, I would, I would love the opportunity, over. especially since that would be such a short drive compared to where I have been going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do it for free, <laughs> yeah. dude. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> not that. But. You charge more based on how far away from Houston, that that plays a big part. I mean, when you when you drive 2,400 miles, you have to calculate how much diesel you you know. Because I pull a big trailer, and uh, when you're only getting 10 miles, 10, 11 miles per gallon, it hey, adds up. You do up, better so. than my RV on the way up here. <laughs> I tell you that right now. So I want to jump back to you were talking about the various games that you use for the tournaments, and you mentioned like one you mentioned was Mario Kart, which is you know great game right. in yeah. itself. But it made me think about well, you know, when you're play if you're you're racing against other players. The game may kind of assist other players to catch up. So do you have to be careful about what games you use? Like if you do Mario Kart, do you do it just as like a time trials event? No, uh, we, we try to keep it all 1v1. We want it, we want it competitive. Um, you know, some games are going to have what they call a rubber band AI. Right, yeah, right, and, especially uh, the like racing type yeah, games. Yeah, Mario Kart can that. do that where, you know, if you're doing bad, all of a sudden you get a blue shell, you know. Right. And, <laughs> whereas you're in first, if you're in first place, you're not getting a blue shell. But it's just part uh, of it. Yeah. It's just and uh, NBA Jam's like that with certain settings. Is if, you if can get a big lead. If player falls behind, yeah. it'll help, kind of help them yeah. out a little bit. And uh, so – one of the, one, that was one of the complicated things was with all the different games is in some games I wasn't very familiar with I'm not the greatest I'm not very good at playing fighters and so I had to do a lot of research seeing what other tournaments have done in the past to come up with all the rules for all the different games you know taking into account the glitches any bugs or have, any have you caught anybody cheating no, uh, I've caught people throwing controllers, that, but uh, you know, and they get quickly kicked out. And but how, how tall are you? Uh, six eight. <laughs> yeah, that's, he's six eight. He's pretty that, that good may, size. That gentleman. may explain why not much stuff has walked away. But. <laughs> I would think so. He's pretty intimidating, young man. No, I had, really a, I, I had a guy uh, in, at Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee walk up to me. He goes, "What are you doing here?" And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, you look like a football player. What are you doing here?" And I go, "Well." Jocks can be nerds too sometimes, so 
That's awesome, brother. That's awesome. Well, that's cool, man. I, I wish you the continued success and where you're going. I hopefully we can put something together for the Houston Arcade Show. Well, I appreciate that. I hope so to too. Do. So and um, so, you liking the show here? You yeah, it? it's it's been it's been pretty good. Um, how does it compare to other shows you've been to? Is it this, how, what's the difference? This is the most pinball. Uh, oriented convention I've ever been to. I've never really? been to a convention with this many pinball machines, and uh, you know most of the ones I go to are very vendor heavy. This this has fewer vendors, but it seems more gaming oriented, and uh, which which is great. I mean, I, I would love a con. I'm not when I go to a convention, you know, if I was to be a you know just a visitor, I, I, I want to play. You know, yes. I'm not necessarily in it to buy. So I like that they're they're focused on playing. So. Well, one of the things we've noticed about the show, and and some of the other folks that are with us are saying that there's a lot more vendors here than we have at the Houston Arcade Show. And right. we need to bring the more vendors into the Arcade Show because we have a lot of games right. at the Houston Arcade Show. We're talking a couple of hundred at least, probably two, three hundred. I think we're aiming for three hundred this 300 year. three hundred this year. So there'll be plenty to play right. when you go down there. That's for sure. So, Well, uh, so what's the name of the website? The things? Give us a little, one more uh, plug for you. Well, you can visit there. our we website at RetroWorldSeries.com or you can go visit us on Facebook under the same name. Um, you can watch our tournaments on Twitch. Uh, so or do you, you stream live? Yes, we do stream live. And then uh, we'll, uh, we'll cut them up and edit them and we'll put them on YouTube so you can watch them later on. So. What, where is your next tournament after this? Uh, we are going to be at Too Many Games in Philadelphia. When is that? Uh, the 22nd through the 24th of June. So. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. excellent. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Have, have you made this deal yet? We have yet? not made the deal yet. We haven't quite. <laughs> we, we still got to work we'll all the details. We'll hopefully see you in Houston in October. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate Absolutely. it. It was nice meeting you. Yeah, it was nice meeting you. Thanks a lot. Al, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Okay. And it's, it's the, well, the, the Nintendo... What would you call that guy? The guy that's the playing, the, playing the, the, the yeah. guy playing the Zelda music is gone now, so it's going to be a little bit easier to yeah. concentrate on what we're doing here. <laughs> but every moment. 30 minutes or so, they give away prizes. So we can tell about how long we're going because every time they give away a prize, we'll know, hey, another 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's kind of it's gotten kind of dead in here, and I think I know why it's gotten it's, uh -oh. it's gotten quiet. What's happening? Well, the booth, the area next to us was manned by Walter Day and Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers. And they've, of course, not, not so much Walter, but the other guys have been kind of uh, you know in the news, in the uh, video game news world because of you know all the events everybody knows what we're talking about yeah. so we don't yeah. have to go into detail about yeah. that but they are here to kind of uh talk, talk about, about that it. you know tr uh, try to i'm not going to say redeem themselves but just talk about the situation talk and you know what's happened what they're you know and i i, I want to hear what how that went yeah i do too i, I really interesting you know we we talked earlier about getting talking to billy mitchell and having him on with us and and hopefully i think we'll be able to do that after he gets through with his talk he'll come back and sit down with us and um you know i was a little reluctant about it but meeting billy and talking to him here and and seeing his demeanor here um I really, I, I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to give him an opportunity to sit and talk to him. And, and I'm almost at the point where, you know what, I just want to know where Billy's going in the future. I'm not right. worried about so much about what it, how that happened. But, but it affects him, obviously. So where's he going? Where, where's next? Where's and if, next I, and if the battery in my laptop lasts long enough, because we have no power here, so we're depending entirely on battery power, when they're done. So when we go out, <laughs> if we quit, <laughs> just mid-sentence, you'll know what happened. And I just saw Steve Ritchie walk by. I didn't get a chance to grab him. It would have ni been nice to have him come over and, if Pull nothing over. else, just do a 
finish him on yeah. the, uh, the <laughs> absolutely quick voice snippet. Well, we've got that. several folks that we'd like to uh, get. We a, the, do you want to you know get Mark? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to keep yeah. talking? And all right, Mark, or, come on yeah, over yeah, here. So here, here's another horrible radio pause while we get somebody else in. Awkward pause. Here we go. Now we're okay. So Mark, let me tell you a little bit about what happened here. See this? Look at this. Look at this That's, fancy piece of equipment. Yes, you look pro. Isn't it? Isn't it nice? Yeah. Look, look at all these inputs right I here. I know. Who else are you going to input there? Yeah, we have a little bit of a problem. Uh. So I did all my. This is new. This is new, and I did all my testing with two microphones, and then realized after well. We can only use these two inputs with the type of setup that I have. So we're doing this fun bouncing back and forth between microphones uh, on this. So, okay, so let me let me get to the point here. So we have uh, we have Mark Shields with us, and Mark and Adam. What's your what's your Adam uh, Stevens, Adam West, Adam? Uh, you know, he he goes by a different name every week. So Mark and Adam do the uh, weekly podcast of arcade radio week ish weekly ish yes podcast of arcade radio correct where, well first of all before we go before we go any further where can you go to listen to this youtube.com slash arcade radio or you can search now on they're going to say arcade I mean, a-r-c-a-d yes. but that's not it well i've been trying to get the keywords to work for me but no you have to type r the letter r first so it's r c a d e r a d i o no space it's like a secret so it's pirate radio pirate arcade radio not yet soon oh rusty you're so punny maybe in an october episode we might look into that yeah yeah all right. So a weekly podcast about, and I've, I've I've listened to a couple of them, or actually watched them on YouTube because you guys are now doing a video port, uh, stream, right? We, we we've gone live now. We we dual stream on Twitch and YouTube, so you can actually go to Twitch.com/slash/rcade radio if you want uh, as well. And the uh, I don't really know why we started doing that. It's more like, hey, let's just mix it up a little bit. So. That's a lot of fun. And Mark Mark and his wife, Samantha, Sam, came yes. with us. They, they were part of our journey to Atlanta from Houston in the RV. And we're all, we're all still talking to each other. So, you know, so far everything's going okay. Yeah, there's uh, enough space in that RV to where you can, you know, walk away from somebody and then come back later. And <laughs> well, you know we're bringing a Miss Pac-Man, right? Are we really? I mean, really? Oh, did gonna... you take the... Uh, did you take the... We're gonna the lanyard. The lanyard okay. All right. Did you know so, they, they won another game, right? But they sold it immediately. Sold it immediately. Have right? we already covered this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so one of the guys that that rode with us from Houston to Atlanta is a fellow collector that I would say has gone kind of overboard over the past couple of years. Would you? Would you? Would you agree with that? Uh, maybe aggressive collecting. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a thing? Needs an intervention level of collecting. Yeah. And so as he played, yeah, I think I'd like to go to Atlanta with you guys. And then, you know, the, the day of the trip here or the day before, hey, um, think we, I, I think I'm going to pick up a game while I'm there and bring it back. <laughs> How can we make this happen? So I think he sealed the deal on it. It's picking up a cabaret Miss Pac-Man. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to get this thing because he's already made he's, he already owns it, right? I believe so. I believe yes, he does. And so oh. what we did was 
was we were sitting in there at lunch trying to figure it out how we were going to measure. Did I interrupt we your chips and dip? You did. I was trying to get me something to eat there. So, uh, but we're going to let Sam eat them all. Um, anyway, so we were trying to figure out how to how to measure it. So I took my lanyard off, measured uh-huh. the width of the door, and it comes to just below the word Southern. Okay. <laughs> and then I went and put that against the machine, and the machine actually comes to about the top of the the card. So we're okay there. I mean, I'm showing him, but you guys can't. So see Mark, it. I don't. You don't know this yet, but I think we're going to have a an arcade machine inside the camper on the way back. That's going to make for some fun video and hijinks, I think. Yeah, I mean, we got we got Eric's generator we, sitting on the panel in the back. We're going to be running. Juice it's going to be the Beverly Batman. Hillbillies. Will it will it fit on the bed? That's my question. Can huh? you can you get it all the way to the back to where it just lays down on the bed lays or down something? On the bed? Well, well, you want to lay down Miss Pack? I want to lay down with Miss Pack. Yeah. <laughs> Does Sam know about that? We we're just gonna hold hands. I don't we're know just, what you guys are. Where it goes is. <laughs> yeah, there is a curtain. We'll pull the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to. Wow. Well, you know we do we do have 120 volts inside the camper. Yes. And the game does work. We're gonna be playing. We're gonna be we're playing be, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. How many times do people play Miss Pack while going 70 miles an hour? I don't. In a camper. Exactly. In a camper. It, that game's been around for 35 years. I bet that has never happened. I would be. I'd be willing to bet you it hadn't. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know, I was worried about it to begin with, but now the more I'm thinking about it, the more it's like oh, it's, yeah. it's now become a story. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be an event for us now. You remember that time we <laughs> brought a. <laughs> We drove from Atlanta to, to Houston, dragging a with a Miss Pack in an RV. Miss Pack Cabaret, though. Miss Pack Cabaret, yes, yeah. It's yes. full size. Hopefully, it'll come back out of the van uh, of the RV as well, right? So. <laughs> so, what do you guys talk about on your show? Well, it's in the format of a morning variety type show. The introduction is like a cold open, where we'll sometimes have like something pre-recorded, like a comedy bit, or we'll just banter a bit with the guest. And sometimes, comedy bit. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Adam likes to do little. Like one time, I suggested he should do something in the style of the Hindenburg crashing, but with something else. And so, and I can't remember what the topic was, but it was hilarious. So, you know, little things like that. And then, uh, then show starts. It's got a, you know, an opening song that's been composed by Adam in GarageBand using all the samples and nothing of his own. So that's, but it's awesome. It's very, very good. It's very well done. I, I've tried that a few times and I'm not as good as him. Now he, Adam has a nice game room, right? He has a, yes. he has a basement uh, arcade called Adam's Arcade at his house in Minneapolis. Well, it's just to the left. Is it Golden Valley? I think he's in Golden Valley. Yes, Golden Valley, uh, Minnesota. You know, Minneapolis is actually a very small city, even though it's like a major city. It's only 426,000-something people because it's just not very big as far as square feet, you know, as square miles, really. Uh, And so there's tons of little cities surrounding it. Anyway, his arcade uh, is themed. He's got a, he's going, his own Adams Arcade Neon. He's got 900 series tokens that say Adams Arcade that he designed. He had his own. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, here we go again. Well, somebody's talking to me. <laughs> so he has his own. So everything, he had to change the coin mix out to yes. accommodate his own right. size token. All right. I don't know how loud this is going to be in the background of what you guys hear. So should right. we? I'm just going to plow through yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about that lady. Whatever. <laughs> 
That's that's pretty cool. So how many games does he have? I think he has 25, 25 to 30, um, and they're all, all fully restored. He doesn't really have any projects that he keeps down in there. He has a very death-defying uh, staircase that leads into his basement and so you really need to commit if you're going to bring something down so that. when you when you get you have to assess this game do i want to take go through the effort because when it's going in there it's not going to be easy to get no it. it's like a 45 degree angle uh staircase it is not for the faint of heart he actually now hires movers just to bring something from where he does a pickup down into the basement Right. How about yourself? How many games do you have? 33 games right now and counting. Uh, there's several that I want to bring in from the storage, the off, the off-site storage. But uh, 33 is pretty tight in the house. And But, you know, it's there's still room to walk around. You don't have to feel your way around in the middle of the night to make sure you don't walk into a game. Now, how do, what, what does your wife think about all this? Does she get on to you about having that many games in the house? And before or is, he answered, he looked over at his I wife d- first. Yeah, I did. <laughs> is, she, is she listening to me? Is well, she? we have some rules. Uh, no rule. No, no games in the bedroom. No oh, games. That's boring. No games in her closet or her bathroom. I mean, she's got rooms that are hers, and they're off limits. And so we've got that sort of put together. And then games that she walks into accidentally because they stick out too much, like your Xeviuses, you know, those kind of things. So if there's ever in the middle of the night in total darkness, if you hear a boom. Yeah. A a what? If you hear your name yelled loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means that that game needs to move. It has to move. Yeah, yeah. Low-profile games are all okay. You know, so I have a bunch of flat Williams games that are around a corner that we frequent. Just, just get Duramold Williams because it's nice and round. I would love if, that. I know a guy with a blaster Duramold that was empty. Uh, I was like trying to talk him into it, but I checked that. I checked back off on him. I think he's actually out here in uh, Atlanta. I have to go look that up. All it right. Will not fit in the arcade. Yeah, I don't in know. It's RV, circular. <laughs> you could tie it to the top, maybe. Here. Drag it along by. I mean, it's plastic, right? Well, what'll happen? Well, excellent. How long have you guys been doing your show? Uh, it's been two, well, we're in the second season, the 20th episode, so we're going to, I guess, come up to the third season somewhere in October, I believe. Uh, I think we had our our season premiere at Grinker's. We recorded it there and then broadcast it the next Thursday. Oh, you did this craziness of trying to do one live, just fly by the seat of your pants and yeah, see how well, it Well, we, we didn't stream it live, but we recorded it, and it, but we did a little bit different from you where we amplified it and let everybody hear us. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That I was, don't want to hear my own voice. It was okay. I mean, I got used to it uh, after, like, the first five minutes, but, you know, we got a little bit of a crowd that came in, and then we had some terrible games, and uh, that actually is the birthplace for our Back to the Cades uh, What's in the Juke segment. Oh, you know, I didn't complete all of the segments that are in the show. The first segment is where you talk about what games you have. Then we have a news segment that I'm... Yeah, bring them in. Anyway, there's a... Oh, my gosh. Okay, I got it. Okay. Where was I? Yes, news... <laughs> What are you doing? There's a new segment. There's a segment called Back to the Cade, which is where I pick the same day that we're on, but, you know, 30-some-odd years back, and then tell you about certain things that were going on. Uh, We have a music contest where you guess music from that day. 
Uh, and there's no prize, which is awesome for me. And then finally, the interview of our guest at the end, uh, or at the beginning, if our guest has to leave. And a, and a few days ago, you interviewed Preston that I puts did. on the show here. Who yeah, I'm, I did try always, to. He's always running around like, uh, I, I, got, I have a lot of things to do, which I'm sure he does. Yes. So you, He's multitasking. I think he's done an excellent, an excellent job putting all this together. What do you What do you think of this show? Uh, I think it has a lot of complexity. Uh, I like that there's uh, so much room that they've put you know things enough things where they're they're able to branch out into that other room. It feels different, you know, compared to the other one. A little bit more commercial over here, more like homegrown over in that other room where uh, you know the ice cold beer is and the consoles. So tell me about a game that, oh, look, there's a big, uh, what is that from Star Wars, BB-8? The BB-8. Yeah. Oh, BB-8 rolling around on the ground? Yeah, but he's, he's large. I've never seen oh, yeah, that yeah. That's large a pretty good one. one. Uh, what, uh, any kind of game that stood out for you here? Let's see. I Of course, we got the huge Donkey Kong. That's kind of neat. Right. It did stand out. I would have put a 47-inch monitor into it, like for a CRT, like a old school. Like big, big. Yes. Uh, like gutted. 40, a, did they make any? 40, 50. 50-inch, you know, old school. Maybe 32-inch monitor would be. What's the, what's the largest CRT? Well, I have a... Uh, I have a showcase cab. It's got a 38 inch in it. 38. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I think that's, that's probably about the biggest yeah. they ever went with. I'm not the CRT. familiar with the old CRT form factors, but yes, a big, a big, huge glass one would be great. But you can't pick it up. <laughs> now it would need to be removable so that you could, you know, I'm sure they weigh like three or four hundred pounds because of all the glass. It's heavy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what game like do I that I see here that I really love or something or all that? What what have you seen here that you've never seen you, before? Nothing surprises me anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm. All life has been sucked out of you. What, what no, does that mean? <laughs> I mean, I've been, uh, you know, I've been in the hobby for about five years, solid, and you know, you you pick up on a lot of stuff. I uh, kind of cool if they brought Sky Skipper back again for a that, second that time because nice. I didn't get to see it. And I think well, that was Whitney uh, right. from a uh, uh, Broken Token podcast that brought that last year, and he wasn't able to attend. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, his broadcasting partner, Brent, uh, is here, and he is supposed to be joining us when he gets back from dinner, but he, has that, he hasn't shown back up yet. Right. But anyway, that belongs to Whitney. So there's one in the U.S. and one in England. England. That, what's that guy's name that owns, owns, made the Broken, other one? The, uh, the arcade blogger guy? Is that his name? I mean, that's his, blo- that's his blog. <laughs> <laughs> I only know the, uh, you know the call letters of the people and their... <laughs> I think he's he's whoever's at arcadeblogger.com. I'm sorry, but it, uh, I draw blanks on names. Well, I was here last year and I was able to play, but the the game itself has been playable for years on Maine, right? right? So, but just seeing the cabinet was 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 pretty cool. Yeah, right. that would have been nice to see again. Um, and of course, we were talking earlier about all the things that like wow look you know I've turned around look at all the people playing board games. There's a lot more now than there were like an hour ago. Right, and, and now that you bring that up, when I see the board games that are in front of me, I think of the cocktail tables that are just beyond that, and the one game that's here that I am, like, salivating all over, it's a food fight Atari cocktail. It's, right. It is beautiful. I wish I had one. I have a co- uh, centipede cocktail, exact same form factor, and, and now I'm just going to be eyeballing these and thinking, I could make that uh, a food fight one day. I wonder if there's artwork. Should I take high-risk high pictures. pictures of it? Yeah. Oh man, so much, 
So much vectoring, I don't even know. <laughs> that, those, those particular cocktail uh, machines have been here the past few years. The Tapper, Tapper, Asteroids, uh, the Food Fight, right. a few other, but they seem seems to be the same ones every year. Oh, I see. Any any game here that you saw that was restored that you thought was you know really really nice? Uh, oh well, yeah, that food fight was not restored. Um, well, I think most of my interest was the fact that I think every pinball in there is LED'd, including the old school EMs. Right? I, it, it's, you'd be hard pressed so what, to find one that is not on like that. Because my well, opinion may differ from yours. Well, okay. So I think there's two schools of thought. The one, if you're going to go the LED route, you can find the same warmth you know bulb and have it simulate the same you know incandescent you know burning thing inside of it whatever filament yes mm -hmm. and uh, then that's that's really cool but if you're going to colorize it you need to have some degree of creativity or uh, you know a familiarity with the uh, you know it's things more you can than do. just ordering okay i'm going to order a bunch of white and blue whatever you it's almost like you have to experiment with, like, yes. let's get some, let's put them in, let's see how it looks. You know what? I'm not quite happy with these. Let's get some right. that are you know, from a different company, a different, like you said, different color temperature yes. and such. And you really have to work hard to do it right, right, in my opinion. I mean, frosted and unfrosted, some of that stuff makes a whole lot of difference. And if you didn't have the arsenal of LEDs to sort of experiment, I think that it's going to end up looking not as great as it could. Yeah, and so I some of them are so well done though. I want to like take a picture of it so that I can do it if I ever have to. But um, yeah, that that kind of blew me away. I mean, I know that's not really restoration, but you know, what about you? What what, what restored game? I mean, have that you already I saw here? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, nothing that I really that really stood out to me. There was the. Uh, did you see the Bucky O'Hare? I did. Yes. And that's one. I, actually, I've never seen one until today. Right. I knew of its existence, but it was a rather uncommon game. So that was that was kind of neat. Well, I learned a little bit that it was a conversion game, and the artwork was done by Rich at this whole game, and they added some embellishments to the artwork to make it a little bit more interesting. And so. That is a sort of a plus. This is the release of that game. That's the nice thing about it being rare is if you, you know, enhance what's there, who's going to know, right? right? Exactly. All right, Mark, I'm about to give you the boot so you okay. can be free to roam around and All have right. some, some fun while we uh, bring somebody else in. All right. Mark, you, Mark, thank you for stopping thank by. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. And we'll be yeah. seeing you on the trip back. All right. Yeah, Mark, uh, yeah I think we'll probably see you tomorrow. Yeah, probably we? at 8 a.m. or something or yeah, whatever it is. Sometimes. You're not All out right. there, dude. We're leaving your ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next person we're bringing on, I am super excited to have here. This is something I have been wanting to try to get done, and um, I've talked to these guys before. A lot of people know who they are. Um, these folks have the greatest concept, I believe, there could be that, that we can take what we do and how we play, what we play with, and bring it into something that actually does good for the world. And I am so appreciative of what you guys do. And um, who we're talking about here is Project Pinball. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what we do here. Well, I'm Daniel Spoiler. I'm the senior director, founder of Project Pinball. So wow. I took my passion that I had for pinball, just like you guys out there, and we found a way to use it as a charity, uh, you know, uh, solution for all these kids that are in these children's hospitals and 
Ronald McDonald House. We actually place pinball machines there for them to play during uh, maybe some rough times, uh, going through surgeries or, or treatments. And it's there for the patients, their siblings, uh, brothers, sisters, and their whole family. Wow. So you, so you have found, so you actually take machines and put them in places where people who are not having a good day and give them something to be happy about. Oh, yeah. We, I, see, I, we see a lot of the kids, uh, they're going through really rough times. Uh, a lot of the kids... Uh, you know, they don't want to be there. They just want to be climbing trees, riding bikes, and just having fun. Uh, sometimes, you know, they might be receiving treatment, you know, uh, pulling their carts around with the IV bags that we're all familiar with. And, you know, they have no reason to smile. All of a sudden, they go up to a pinball machine, and they plunge the ball, and they're pretty much, uh, you know, just a kid again. And That's then awesome. all of a sudden we see smiles uh, appear, and we know what we're doing is working. That's awesome. So you get emotional on these times? Oh, without a doubt. Every single dedication that we've done, I've been a part of, and that's my mantra. I want to be there for every single dedication. That's I'm awesome. I'm a full-time volunteer. I do this because I have the passion to do so, and that's my reward seeing these dedications, seeing the kids take to these machines, and I can relate to it. I have a passion for pinball just like all you guys out there. So when I see these kids come up and enjoy something that I enjoy, you know, to that degree, and they're not feeling so well, but they have the same joy, I can relate to that. That's awesome. How many pinball machines have you put in place now? 32. 32, wow. And do you... Usually, are most of these pinball machines uh, new pinball machines? Um, it depends. Uh, we have a couple older ones. We have a gentleman that wanted to help us out in New Jersey. <clears throat> and he had a older police force. Mm -hmm. And it just had to be in good working condition. So we bought the machine for a dollar off of him. And it's in a, a uh, hospital up there. And he, like a year later, he said he wanted to do another one. So we have a bad cat. So there's some older machines. Sometimes we, you know, are kind of hesitant about using older machines because of UL restrictions with the hospitals. They have to go through, a, like, an engineering protocol, make sure every piece of equipment could be used in the hospital setting. So sometimes that's a something we can't get around. So we... We know what we get with a newer machine. Uh, we might buy, like, uh, you know, Jersey Jacks, uh, Wizard of Oz, or the newest Stern that's out there. We're having fun with Star Wars in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So they're under warranty. If something goes wrong, uh, we know how to fix it or get a hold of Stern, and they're pretty good about sending someone out to the location. Uh, the worst thing for us is to have a broken machine in that setting. I don't think any one of us likes to walk up on a machine that we're eager to play to find out it's broken and not playing right. So now we I, we try to go with the, the newest machines. I think it works better. I see you at a lot of the expos. I think I've, I, I, you know, see, at least your, your, uh, your, your entity, your, the company, 
Um, I don't know how many people you have representing you, but what is when you come to a place like this? Are you ask uh, how how would we somebody donate to your cause? Uh, we make it really easy. We have several different ways. Um, the direct way would just go to our site, projectpinball.org, and we have a uh, PayPal tie-in. You could uh, donate any amount that you want. It goes directly uh, to us. There's no you know, real fees with that. You could do a subscription service if you want to do $5 a month. Uh, we have people do that as well. There's Amazon Smile. If people are big on Amazon, you uh, go into Amazon Smile just once. Uh, pick your charity of select, type in Project Pinball Charity, will come up in two seconds, and it could be filled out in, uh, it took us about eight seconds to do it. I kid you not, it's that easy. Every time that you shop on Amazon, and uh, they give a portion of whatever you buy, um, you don't have to pay for it, they do. They just donated on uh, your behalf to the charity you select. So, that's pretty easy and painless. Uh, you don't even have to think about giving. So it, it works really good. We receive a check from Amazon, and it's a great surprise. Um, plus, we have uh, our great raffles. Have you guys seen this? I have not. This raffles? Is this a raffle that uh, where you give away a machine? Someone down in yes. Houston won one recently, yes. did they oh, not? Is this yes. the same? Is it, okay. Sorry, we have some uh, some activity going on behind us. I'm going to turn. Well, you know what? I'm just going to plow through this. Is this the? Um, is there more than one? Uh, organization that is doing the pinball machine raffle? Well, originally a friend of ours started doing this locally and he sold out a machine quite quickly. He was charging like $100 and everybody was excited to walk away with a brand new machine. So it was a guy down in Florida that started these and we seen the potential. So we asked for his permission to do it. Okay, okay. And we charge uh, $50, and it's limited to 200 entries only. Uh, it's basic math. We're uh, raising $10,000. It's so we could buy a uh, brand-new machine to ship to the winner, and it allows us to put one in the hospital. Since that time, there has been another uh, individual. I'm sure there's several out there um, that's doing the same thing for their charity because it does work well. Uh, we did it 45 uh yeah, 45 times now, ship brand-new machines to oh, that's, uh, winners. That, that's, that's great. It helps us out tremendously, and it's exciting. And with the newer machines, like Iron Main's now added to the list, uh, we sold it out in, like, uh, two days' time. And we're even doing it with the older machine. We had old Chicago that we couldn't place in the hospital, so we uh, held a raffle for that. Uh, it was 100 entries for $10, and it sold out in less than 20 hours. So uh, it was quite successful. That's great. Have you had anybody that has footed the bill for a whole pinball? Like just said, I, I would like to donate, I would like to pay for a pinball machine at my local hospital. Yes. We had uh, several people... Uh, they were highly motivated because they had a personal attachment to that setting or hospital, Ronald McDonald House. And they said, uh, we want to help you out any way that we could. And uh, so we had several people step up to the bat and buy the machine. And it, 
it goes a long way because we're across the United States and I think that's why we're talking today uh, because we're looking at Texas. We, uh, we have three machines out of the 32. Three of them are in Texas. One's in Beaumont. We just placed one in, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, two in San Antonio in uh, December of 2017. So we have three in your home state. Oh, that's great. That is great. And, and you said you had one in Beaumont. Yes. And, and who assisted you and helped you with all that? <laughs> well, <laughs> shameless plug. With, uh, well, Dennis and his whole family, uh, the Monclaw. Did I say that correctly? Yes, the Monclaw, uh, yes. Because I don't have that Cajun uh, <laughs> accent. But uh, their whole family just uh, embraced everything. And his wife actually works at the hospital, made it super easy. It was one of the easiest uh, hospital uh, that we approached, and it went from start to finish the quickest. Um, the whole family is super dynamic, and they're awesome. So if they're out there, I want to say hi to them. Dennis, Leon, Preston. Preston, yeah. All those guys. Yeah, that's great. They are good people. They really are. I'm really happy oh. that it worked out for you. When we were down there, they uh, they just made us feel at home. I mean, uh, they're just fantastic. Every time that I see them, you know, uh, it's like a, you know, part of the pinball family. Yeah. I'm sure everybody out there feels the same way about, you know, how uh, close this pinball community is. And, it really is, and, and that's yeah, one of the reasons. people like I, them. Yeah, I wanted to ask about it because we know the Monklas. They come out to the game preserve. They come out and visit with, with Space City Pinball and things, and, and so we're really happy to know that. I want you to talk a little bit because you've said it several times, oh, that's an easy hospital, or we got to do this or do that. And the conception is, and my conception is, whenever we first talked, because I've talked to you some time ago, was that, we could just buy a pinball machine, just give it to the hospital. They'll uh-huh. be happy with it and, and should be able to just plug it in. So, And he's grinning. So it's not, that's not quite w- the way it is, is well, it? Well, I wish it was that easy. A lot of people come up and say, hey, can I do this? Can I, you know, donate a pinball machine and just for my local hospital? I'm like, you really don't want to do that. There's several downsides uh, for that. Um, first is... They won't let you just walk in. There's a red tape protocol, everything, engineering protocol, uh, things. Um, they are not familiar with a pinball machine like uh, you and I. So they have to be actually educated to what a modern day pinball looks like. Because they might be thinking of yesteryear and you know, uh, maybe in a smoky bar or bowling alley. Uh-huh. or that type of pinball machine. They're not aware of family values, so we walk them through that process as well. In another process, uh, not only do we dedicate machines, but we do the maintenance for the life of the machine. That was a good question, yep. Because, you know, uh, we just don't drop these off. That's how our charity was formed. A, uh, a uh, child passed away when he was 11 years old. The parents loved the... Um, the health care that he received at the local hospital, and they figured that uh, Jimmy loved Spider-Man, so he would buy the Spider-Man pinball machine to donate after he passed away. So the machine was in uh, bad repair after two years of receiving no maintenance whatsoever in a hospital. Um. So we showed up there. It had 21,332 plays on it. 
in two years' time. Wow. wow. Like two and a half. In a hospital setting. In a hospital setting, wow. but none of the maintenance was ever done. Oh, wow. So, you know, the thing just tore itself apart. Sure. I mean, things were breaking. They were still playing it. Rubbers were missing on the flippers. They were still playing. The, but still the just bass. chugging through. Yeah, it was the, still playing. Because they wanted to play it. They wanted something, and that I guess that's really a good way to look at it. Go, you know, look how badly it's won. So if they're willing to play this broke down, beat sure. up, just just let me do something. So we asked people if they want to do something for their community, help us help you. Yeah. Because we're out of Florida, but we're a local community because uh, people like yourself make us local. Yeah. So if you want to donate a machine to us, we know how to treat it. We know uh, from experience how to talk to the hospitals. And what we do is we donate the use of the machine, not actually the machine. Because we know with 21,000 plays on it in, you know, say we see those numbers again, which we do. Uh, the one in Beaumont... Uh, I want to say the first month that we had it, first month and a half, we had uh, over 3,700 plays on it. Well, that's because the Moncos were down there playing it. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I don't doubt it that they were checking up on the machine and testing to make sure everything was playing right. So but, I guess that gives you the ability to, you know, if it's needed, maybe it's needed more at a different hospital, you can take that machine out and move it. Or Have you ever done that? Uh, we haven't uh, abandoned the site. Let's call it that. I know it's a harsh word, but, you know, that's what it would feel like to the kids. It would feel like right. we abandoned them. But in theory, let's say if a, we, a place closed and, and it, yeah, can, it could yes. easily be moved to a different location. In that regards, yes, that's 100% correct. We could, uh, We have access to the machine. Uh, we can move it maybe to a more stable location in a heartbeat because that's what our intent is, to make sure that it's can played and used proper. Uh, one of our contracts say we write contracts with the hospital stating that no one can move the machine except us because uh, we know how to move machines. People could agree. There's other get ways. hurt moving the machine. Exactly. We don't want anything to happen, or you could hurt the machine. Absolutely. So we take in precautions with that. Plus, we don't want, uh, let's say it for what it is, uh, the CEO of the hospital has little Billy's birthday, and all of a sudden he wants to have a nice surprise of a pinball machine there, and he removes it out of the hospital. Could that happen? I don't know. But we're preventing uh, to make sure it doesn't happen. It's there for the kids. Yeah. We want to make sure the kids have access to it. So by donating the use, we have those rights. And awesome. if something happens with the machine, they have the right to call us and say, hey, you know, we have a stuck ball. Can you come down? Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. You know, awesome. not a problem. It's worry-free for them. And I think they understand it when, once they hear, you know, how it's a full-service program. It's not just dropping off machines. Yeah. So I have to say, if there's people out there that want to help their local hospital, contact us. If you have a machine that you would like to donate us, or uh, donate to us, fine. Um, if you want to loan a, a machine as a placeholder until we could establish funds for it, we have people doing that as well. Ah, huh, interesting. Because interesting. Uh, we all, you know, have collections out there, right? I'm sure. assuming. We have um, <laughs> And there's machines maybe uh, like Flintstones or something. Yeah. Uh, that they're like, man, that would go great in a hospital. Yeah. So we take machines like that. And then it gives us the ability to take a little bit more time with the fundraising. That's how uh, Las Vegas happened. We had uh, mm. Adam. He had a, a, a Avengers pinball machine. 
uh-huh. that he loaned to us, and we're actively uh, collecting funds and uh, doing fundraisers to replace that eventually. So, uh, you know, people are loaning us machines. We sign contracts with them saying that, you know, it's still uh, their machine. They're just on loan. Uh, we just say, hey, we can't pull it out, you know, on a whim. You know, it has to be 30-day notice to allow us to get another yeah. machine in there. So, yeah, there's many ways people could give. Wow. So you've done 32 machines. Yes. All over the United States. Three of them happen to be in Texas. Yes. Any more plans for Texas? Oh, without a doubt. Well, tell me about those plans. Well, we had... Wow, s- what a segue, Rusty. <laughs> yeah. That was quite clever. Was that good? We had several people contact us from the Houston area. In uh, where was that? Uh, Woodland? The Woodlands, yes. And uh, these guys were tenacious, <laughs> I have to say that. Um, and actually put Houston on the map because we were looking at San Antonio. We knew it was uh, active. And um, we tried, right now we have over 40 hospitals that we're dealing with. Wow. And we have 60 on our radar. So by people contacting us saying, hey, we love what you do. Uh, we would love to do fundraising donations, or we can help do the heavy lifting with the, the funding. We're all in. We start approaching the hospital, make sure that they're, you know, accepting of the gifts in what we do. Uh-huh. And Houston uh, was no exception. They uh, they love the concept. They uh, the hospital loves the concept. We've been dealing with them, uh, walking them through it. Been having conference calls. But right now, uh, just this past week, we received our contract back, which is a green light for um, us to start the final process of placing a machine. And where would that? In which hospital is that? Are you are you at liberty to say? Um, right now, I don't want to say. <laughs> okay, I understand. Because uh, you know it's been a long week, and I don't want to um, get someone's hopes up, you sure. know, of the hospital. But it is in Houston. And we could, uh, you know, we could come back and, you know, give you that information fully. Yeah. Well, good, good. I hope so. But we will be one in Houston. This guy is setting up a, 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 oh, God. he's Okay, good. He was fixing to put a speaker right behind us and blow us out. I mean, it was literally five foot behind Daniel. I just did not want that blowing away. So but, we've got one coming into Houston. Yes, You've it's got guaranteed. have a contract available. We have a contract with the Houston uh, Children's Hospital. And it is coming there. So well, we need to edit that. You just said the name. No, it's fine. Okay. Because well, it's, it's out live. Well, it's, I guess it's we could out live. Yeah. What I'm saying is there's uh, different hospitals out there. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. It's a children's hospital in Houston. Okay. So that's the way. Uh, okay. So sorry about that. That's the way we do it. There's a lot of people active in this uh, community yeah. here. Yeah, there is. Oh, that's, he's going to turn it oh, up he's now. Turn up. Good. That's nice. That's so, nice. once again, what is the what's uh, what's the name of the website? What's the website where uh, somebody can go to donate? Projectpinball.org. And I want to say, you know. Uh, this is a done deal. We're just looking for funding because uh, what happens is if uh, people raise money in Houston, it stays in Houston. That's how uh, our charity that's out of Florida becomes local to uh, these different cities uh, across the United States. Yes. It wouldn't be fair for us to take the money from Albuquerque that they're working hard and sweating and move it to, say, Boston. 
Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. We're yeah. trying to reward the people that are are helping uh, do what we do. So. Uh, well, I'll tell you, the, uh, I know that the uh, game preserve, we're still working on it, but we're going to try to put something together in which we can uh, certainly, hopefully, we'll, we'll raise the full amount needed to at least put one machine in there. Uh, we also know that uh, there's Houston Arcade Expo is coming up sometimes in October. Um, as an uh, ambassador for that show, I certainly would love to see you guys come out we would and love do to what be, your, your benefit here. I bet you we could probably find someone that would give you a machine to raffle off or do something while you're there. Well, we would love that because, uh, again, it would help the community um, where it's coming from. And we just love that. Uh, I mean, a lot of people want to do good. And we're giving them an avenue to do it through something that they enjoy, pinball. And, you know, uh, they could see the fruits of their labor through us and what we do, and they could feel good about that. They're helping families in the community that they're from. So, yeah, I think it's a, it'll be a win-win. I look forward to coming down to Houston for the first time. I heard about the show. Yeah. So I'll look forward to coming down there and seeing you guys. We have a lot of fun. And it's going to be a bigger, nicer venue. It's going to be awesome this year. So we really look forward to having you come. Well, down I could see you guys like to have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We well, Daniel, anything else you want to add or anything you want to say before you step out? Anybody you want to thank for, for helping you here? The, how, no, how's the show treated you here? Well, these guys are fantastic. Yeah. We love coming up here. They're great supporters of ours. You know, they just bend over backwards to make us feel like we're part of the team and, you know, we're at home. Uh, they help the charity uh, greatly. We have another machine coming up here uh, to the Ronald McDonald House. Um, all the money that's being raised here this weekend is going right to Atlanta here. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I, but to thank everybody that helps us move this mountain along uh, would take forever. But I want to thank you guys. You know, for reaching out, allowing us to talk to uh, people out there and saying our, our good plans for Houston. I'm very excited. Yeah, I am too. I'm really excited about it. This is something that I, I wanted to see happen, and I'm glad it, I'm glad we're making it. Well, it thank it's you a very for, good thing to go with. Thank you for allowing us to be down here. I appreciate that. Daniel, thank you for, thank you for chatting with us. Thank you for stopping by. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Thanks again, Daniel. And to avoid any long, awkward pauses while we reconfigure here, we have our next guest with us, which I have a feeling a lot of, a lot of the people listening, if anyone is listening at the moment, might know the voice. We have uh, Brent Griffith from the... Wow, this this noise is just through the through the yeah, roof so behind us with the uh, Broken Token podcast with us. So apparently behind us, or actually... Right behind Eric. Now we're giving away, I guess, prizes from the board gaming area. And I, I don't know. Now, I'm not a board gamer. I don't know, Eric, if you get into board gaming at all. If, if you're worried about insulting me or <laughs> it's not going to happen. No, I well, mean. What I was going to say is that this, at this show, when they came to this venue, this is the third year here. At this location. At this location. There's kind of this open atrium area. You come out of the lobby, you come up some stairs, and then there's this open atrium area, and then the game room is on the very back side of it in a big ballroom, and there's stuff that goes on. Actually, I think the wrestling's about to start right behind us, so we might hear cheering. Well, it was here. going on last night. I don't know. Is it going on again? It's supposed to start again. And it's well, they can really get that ring set up oh, and yeah. taken down. That's uh, that, that's a cell phone. Oh, that's Just your, your cell phone. 
Oh. I'll, I'll get that one back. <laughs> so, but anyway, they've got a in this atrium right in the center of everything. They've got all these tables set up for board gaming, and it's really grown here in the last it few has. years. I mean, and you know, I was commenting earlier when I walked up here when we started like an hour and a half ago. It was kind of dead out there, and it's it fills out. And not only does it, not only is it crowded, but when the game room shuts down at like midnight, this is still going strong. Yeah, the game, the the board gaming area is all night. So, and I, I'm not sure what's going on over here. Where they had a raffle or something, or maybe they had some contests or some tournament type play at some point in time during today. But uh, they're they're giving out prizes. So that's kind of what's going on in the background behind us right now. That. We were talking earlier about last year. You and you and Whitney, Whitney brought. Oh goodness! Then boy, is that not distracting? <laughs> yeah. You and Whitney brought the Sky Skipper, which I guess that is is belongs to Whitney, right? Yeah. I say technically, um, Whitney and Alex. Oh, we were trying to think of his yeah, name. Alex, he's the one in England. He's right? the one in England. He brought. They brought the Sky Skipper. So that's a project that Whitney and Alex worked on for. I generically say about a year, but I'm pretty sure it was well on over a year. And the, the short of the very, very long story, and Whitney, forgive me here if I get some of it wrong, uh, but Alex discovered the Skyskipper boards in the UK. And shortly thereafter, the first board popped up, a second popped up. And I'm not exactly sure of the timing, but the idea came about to have a, a U.S. and a U.K. reveal but there was a lot of things that had to happen in between, which was mainly the recreation of this game that only existed basically as a test as test games. There was a handful of test games, and it actually back in the eighties, it made it to a few arcades as a test game. Correct? That that's what I understand. I, I can't recall the exact number, so Whitney, please forgive me. But uh, he covered a lot of this on on our show, the Broken Token Podcast. Um, there, there, there were some that were out, and then they decided not to go with the game. So, as I understand, the cabinets and all were ordered destroyed, save for this one cabinet that Nintendo of America ended up holding on to. Whitney, using, uh, uh, I was going to say some contacts and people that we've got to know in the industry through the show, he was able to kind of put a lot of dots together and gain access to that Game. Washington State or uh, uh, Seattle, Seattle, okay. Seattle. So he was able to gain access to that game and get detailed pictures and scans, and then worked with uh, Rich and Kindred this old game and recreated the artwork state side. There was a gentleman in the UK by the name of Ollie, and I apologize, I, I'm not sure of Ollie's business there, his, his his company's name. Ollie did the print work in the UK, and he and Alex across the you know. Across, across the, the pond. pond. Yeah, thank you. They restored these games kind of side by side. And then Alex ended up coming over. And he came out, Alex came over here. So the actual, the first reveal was here. Yes, it was. And then. Right he, about a year ago. And he went back and took it to some places in England. Yeah, Whitney actually flew over. John Jacobson, uh, who uh, who's, does a lot of uh, video blogging, a video. And he's, he's here. Hey, John's here. Uh, is it John's Arcade, I believe? I, I think, I think that's it, yeah. I'm sure, every, I'm sure there's more than a few people that have heard of John. He, you know, he, the guy in the basement. Yeah, the guy in John's basement. John's, <laughs> exactly. 
he uh, he was here last year, and he actually went to the UK and kind of followed and documented. And that he does a lot well. of video, like videographing, if I'm using that word correctly. Yeah. So he documented through video what happened. Exactly. I'll use I'll steal Whitney's term. Whitney and I have faces for radio, so we don't do a lot of the video, <laughs> a lot of the video stuff. But yeah, John, that's one of John's fortes, and so yeah, John was able to do a lot of documentation, made the trip, so. Uh, but yeah, Sky Skipper was a was a was, it was a, big a hit deal. last year. Yeah, and what brought this that's subject wrong. up was some people were t- uh, earlier. We were talking about that. We said it's kind of a shame that that's not here again. But we have you know we have some other new unique things here. Oh, What's yeah. that Zor? Yeah, where John- Jonathan um, Jonathan. I'm gonna. I don't, I just had dinner with him. And, um, Jonathan, you know who you are. He actually did a lot of the work on that game. Uh, so yeah, that's and the over goal. There. The goal is for people here to try to get the best score they can on it because there's only one entry and and uh, for the high score on that game, right? I believe I believe that's now, see, I have not heard of that. So they trying to have a contest. Yeah, with I think it? that's the one of the reasons why it's here because there's only one high score. So even if that high score isn't beaten, second place will be. You know, second, third, fourth, whatever will be established here at the show. Oh, oh, for the oh, uh, for like the high score period, like mm-hmm. the world record, world high record score. high oh, score. Oh, okay. Oh, that Which, makes perfect you know, I'm sense. I'm not sure if that's through the new Twin Galaxies or the uh, or or K. <laughs> that's that's one of those. That's one of those words, kind of like Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> or arcade. I thought arcade. Arcade. I, I thought arcade was. For um, console type, like not as much console. What is the one where you can? It's a scoreboard, but it's more for uh, like tournaments. It's not necessarily to record. I, I thought that was arcade to not mm. record the world's record, but you could use it as like a web service if you were running. Oh, a like tournament. if you're running your own tournament, then or, you can use that as a Yes. Maybe it, perhaps it's both because the gentleman that's behind you that does the podcast with me, Rusty, has has owns an art was one of the owners at the game preserve, the arcade of the game preserve, and they use that service. They actually have a large big screen T V with that and it, and it's in you see the scores on it and it's you see the world record and where they you know the people the best so it's perhaps it's both. Okay. So he, and he's using that to track records, like for his for like his. Like if you arcade. do well, if you do well on pole position or whatever game that they have there, you'll get up on that list. They can you know add you to the list, but you'll see that you're still well below the world record. So do you ha- do you know how they're tracking like settings, like pole position? It's kind of like the old Twin Galaxies, or perhaps the new Twin Galaxies, where you it it dictates their cert their website dictates what the dip switch settings okay. should be. And I guess it's maybe an honor system at that point. Yeah. 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 Man, do, are we gonna get, do we go down that road? Do we, are, we're going to get arcade audited is what's going to end up happening. So I'm not super familiar with it. I know that there's some services like that for uh, on the pinball side as well, but I always, like I said, I always look, it seems like every time I've seen anything on arcade, I'm pretty sure that's what the one I'm recalling, the discussion seems to center around it's not for tracking your world records. Don't hold me to this. Hate mail can go to Eric's email address. It's it's as much for like your home arcade or your business or, or whatever. So it it filled that niche. But gotcha. I just use a uh, uh, a dry erase board. You know, I've got one. <laughs> I've got one that's actually black. 
and it's got black light reactive uh, markers. So that's just what oh, I really? use. Yeah, that's just what I use. When is the expo in Louisville? March. March. Oh, so it's, uh, it's already, it's already did passed. Did you take games to it? I did. We actually, uh, Whitney and I set up a, a booth there. Jeremy and Matt are gracious to us, and Joe, the three core organizers, they're very gracious, and they give us, they work with us and give us a good, like, prime space to set up. Uh, we'll run a four-mic setup. We'll broadcast two shows from Louisville Arcade Expo. And yeah, I'm I'm always taking games. I mean, it's my home show, so I do what I How can many to support games did it. You take? This year, I think I had maybe eight with me. So that's, on top of all the podcast gear, wow, you know, we take we take games. That's very noble of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of the thing for me. You know, we have the Houston Arcade Expo yep. and the Texas Pinball Festival. I take pinball machines up to Dallas. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe two, and the our local show, the Houston Arcade Expo. I'll take more, depending on what kind of. So, what's the drive distance for you there? Well, Houston is local. I'm in Houston, but okay. Dallas is about four hours. Okay, all right. And you know, I suppose that when you're talking about thirty minutes or four hours, that doesn't really matter. It's really what vehicle are you in? Are yep. you carrying a trailer, etc.? But my point being that after, you know, the more years that you do it, the less you want to take as many games as possible. Yeah. It, well, for me, and I, I totally understand that. And for, for me this year, I, I try to take a pen. And uh, just vi- let's be honest, videos are easier to pack up. And not only are they easier to pack up, but in an environment like this, like an expo, I have found that video games, once you get them set up and they're playing, they're usually good for the whole show. Yeah. yeah. Pinball machines are a different animal. They're a totally different animal. And so this year I ended up with all videos is, is what I had. So, so do you pick certain video games based on their weight? Like I like to move... <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo and Williams and leave the Ataris at oh, home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I actually I ended up doing, uh, I kind of chronicled this on our show. Last summer, I had the opportunity to buy a gentleman's collection out. You had a, a, a who? A gentleman's collection oh, okay. out. So it was it was heavy video. Uh, I did get a pinball out of it. I got a, 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 the day, a day to East Batman. But the, the rest of the collection... Two small, re- medium-sized storage units. It was all video, and what I ended up having to do was use that. That was a good opportunity for me to augment my collection, and then there was some titles that I upgraded because his was a little nicer than mine. Oh, so you had some duplicates. So I, and it was some shifted. duplicates. I shifted around, improved my collection, and I had quite a few nice, classic and early modern videos. That honestly, there's no honest way to put it. It's just I needed to move them. They needed new homes. They didn't need to rest at my house. So this year I took a couple of nice space invaders, space invaders, space invaders deluxe. Um, I had I took a Pac-Man with me that actually was out of my personal game room. It was time to shift around and mix things up a little bit. Uh, took you know games like that. And so everything I took this year, I offered for sale, and just it just didn't work out because of the volume I was taking, I didn't have any pins ready to go. So it was all all video games. Now to answer your actual question, 
which was do I do I decide based on weight? Let's just say one year I took. You ever seen an Atari hard driving? Oh yeah, and and Rusty, you have two. Well, yeah, Rusty has two of those. No, Ray, he has race driving. Two of them linked together at the arcade. So isn't that the same cabinet, a hard driving and a race? Or, or, or what is the one that's? It's a the huge hard driving is red, race driving is yellow. Okay, the I think, I think they are the same cabinet. Okay, super tall cabinet. The monitors up high. Super and, tall, super heavy. Uh, yes. Uh, that was one that I took to that show one year, and I would have almost put it in the dumpster. I was like, rather, and that's when you put the for sale sign. You don't go there with intentions of me. selling it, but when you get there, like, I do not want to take this. Oh yeah, please. please buy this. Well, what my usual decisions are: I have a few games that I want to sell. You know, it's it's a good time of the year. I'm local. I can move, take some games there. All right, I'm going to shift the collection a little bit. And then I'll try to take some of the more odd games that I have that people just don't see. So Domino Man is one. I've, there's a Domino Man here, here, Steve right. Moritz from Florida. He brought that. I've got a, a Domino Man as well. So I'll take that and I'll try to make an appearance. There's a game that I've got called Twin Tigers. Mm-hmm. Rom Star? Now, no, not Twin Tigers. Two Tigers, because you're right. Twin Tigers is, was a Romstar Jamma game. It's pretty fun, like a vertical scrolling shooter. Two Tigers, shooter. that's an MCR game? That's an MC, That's what I'm talking Two Tigers. And okay. So there was a dedicated, and there was a conversion kit on a Tron. Mm-hmm. So I've got the smaller one, the conversion kit on a Tron. You don't see that very often, so that's one I'll take. So that I try to make it. A, it's a kind of a heavy cab and odd-shaped, but... I'll try to take those games, and I'll trade them out every other year or so, just so that something different's there. You know, you we, you just mentioned a Tron cabinet. That is, we were talking about this the other day. A Tron cabinet is not a fun cabinet to move. No. What were they thinking when they, when whatever engineer, whatever draftsman said, let's take the back of the cabinet. You know, the operators when they put their dolly in it, we don't want it to be flat. No, yeah, let's, let's have put a, a big this point protrusion on yeah. that comes out that makes it impossible to move on a dolly. You carry so, it from the side. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, it just hit the doors real fast. Nobody cares about the artwork. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, well, two stories. One on the artwork. A friend of mine that was uh, uh, he he was a big operator back in the day in Louisville. Uh, notice I said Louisville. 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 He there was a there was a pinball that he really really wanted, and he he'd long since pretty much the operation had moved on. He'd gone into other businesses. He kept a few games at, for some longtime customers. But for the most part, I mean, the writing was on the wall decades ago. We all know that. But he really wanted a uh, wizard, the old Bally Bally wizard. The Bally wizard. Electromechanical. Yes. And I came across a very, very nice wizard. And I kind of surprised him with it. I was buying a game from him, and I I just made – we kind of worked it into the deal. But it was kind of a reveal. I showed up and surprised him. Every person I'd introduced him to, he asked him, do you have a wizard? He was wanting to find a wizard. Here I show up with a wizard. So we pull it out, put it on his pinball dolly, and he commences to take, his brain suddenly shifted to, this this was a piece of equipment that I had making money in its 1979 or 1980, and he took it pinballing down through his shop, 
the, the dolly bouncing off stuff. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I was like, that cabinet's beautiful. Don't. And he looked, it, it, it finally hit him. I could see the look in his eyes. He's like, oh, oh you're right. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> and he started gingerly pushing it through back to his shop. And then he grew up servicing those games. He, he had that thing, you know, running like a clock in That's no awesome. time. In I no always time. I find it interesting when an operator retains an old title like that in their warehouse or whatever for so long. Uh-huh. Like, why why don't they ever you know go through there and like dispose of some of this? Old, but it's it's really neat to hear the stories of things well, like that being. He his warehouse was, uh, and if you've ever listened to to our show, the Broken Token uh, Classic Arcade Pinball Podcast, his daughter's actually does our voiceover during the intro and the outro. Oh yeah, yeah. Over the uh, the bluegrass ACDC or well, uh, we're we're doing now we're doing uh, music from Scott Denisi that's in. Oh, TNA, you? yeah, we just recently started that. So we were bluegrass music because Southern Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you were, West Virginia? No, Kentucky. 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 And then uh, we were doing uh, Hasty Dixie, which was kind of a bluegrass uh, uh, version of ACDC. And then we got with Scott, and Scott gave us the okay, and we're using Scott Denise's music, which is the soundtrack from. TNA now. Uh, total, total nuclear, nuclear annihilation. We need, to, we need to make a deal with somebody. You think John Denver's still around? <laughs> I heard there was an incident. There was. Yeah, oh. it, it might be too soon. Might, <laughs> oh, too. Or, or maybe he doesn't care. Yeah, he might. <laughs> I, I can think of a couple of good songs. You know. But I had gotten to know Christie's uh, dad, Jimmy, really, really well, and. Up in the second floor of his warehouse, his warehouse was an old schoolhouse in downtown Louisville. And all of the old EM stuff had migrated upstairs. And a handful. That's a great place for oh, EM machines upstairs. Upstairs. <laughs> well, you know, he was paying guys whatever by the hour when that stuff came off route in the 70s. And him and his dad, they didn't care, you know. Take it up the steps. Now it was fun watching a bunch of us. I'm not. I'm not a spring chicken, but it was fun watching the folks that were a decade or two older than me that had the love for those games, conning people into helping them bring them down. You know, down is easier than up. But you bring you bring down some some EM arcade games like gun games and not not necessarily EM pinballs. The big cabinet mm-hmm. games. Shuffle bowlers. No, no shuffle. What do you mean shuffle bowlers? <laughs> oh, those were on the first floor because they were smart enough not to take <laughs> not them upstairs. Yeah, I not to bring those that. up. But he uh, um, he had a game up there. It was a Williams. I can't remember the name, but basically it was when everyone was ripping off Pong, it was a, a four. Clone of it. Yes, it was a four-player. So it was a 25-inch black-and-white monitor, monster cabinet, monster control panel, four spinners, and he just had – that was the only game I saw him talk about, and he had this just this look in his eye. And I'd go in and I'd get a bunch of stuff from him, and we'd talk about it, and anybody I introduced him to, he'd talk about that game. And one day I was up and I said, Jimmy, what are we going to do with this? And I said, I think I could do something with it. And he just tapped his hand on it. He said, all right, just load it up, take it. And he walked off because he just, okay, it was, he realized it all. The building was a go for sale. Well, what I ended up doing 
was I took that game. It had an old, it was a CRT, but it had a vacuum tube based TV in it. Oh, kind of like like a computer space. Where yes. It, not only was it a black and white CRT, but it's old, old. Old, old. And it was, uh, like I said, it was like a 23-incher. So back in, when that thing was new, it probably cost a mint. Yeah. I went through and I retubed the TV, replaced all the old paper caps with modern caps, rebuilt the power supply section, rebuilt the power supply on the game board, took apart all the spinners, cleaned it all out, and I had it playing awesome. And what I ended up doing was I had it at Louisville Arcade, to bring it full circle, I had it at Louisville Arcade Expo, and I got I talked him into coming up to the show. Him and his wife came in. They'd never seen anything like a show. They'd never realized that this community existed, and it was just amazing to them. And then I got him down to the end of this aisle, and I gave him the game. Here, there was his game, and I gave it back to him. Oh, wow. So now he's got a, a mini game room in one of his outbuildings, and he's – they they, they kind of joke where they, they spent years selling this equipment off, and now they're slowly buying back a few pieces. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, and it's sitting right in his his little game room, and him and his wife and his you know anybody that comes over and his daughters, and whenever they have people over, there it is for them to play. Now, you know, we're all thinking this is just a great deed that Brent did, but you know, this I'm working, is, I see through this. You know I'm trying to get into heaven. Yeah. <laughs> You're, what this is is he has more games. This operator he has more games in his house. Yeah, Brent just yeah. wants he has he his just, eye on something, and the guy won't sell it to him. He's like, yeah. "This is how I'm going to get. This is how it's going to work." He, he now he now has, he now basically owns everything in that warehouse. <laughs> well, let's let's just say we. Yeah, they're, we've all they're become. Doing, they're about to do wrestling, or the, people are making very odd wardrobe uh, decisions, decisions in this place. Yeah, I think some, some things, some. So, just walked by. Yeah. The, uh, um, I think the wrestling is supposed to start right up here in a very few minutes. Sorry, we're, we're moving some tables uh, quickly. But real quick, you talked about one more story. You talked about the back of um, Tron. Tron. So the other game that has a very similar cut, the cabinets are different, is Gorf. Is that, that's the one that has the protrusion for the neck yes. of the monitor, right? Yes. So no, it has, like it a, has a little plastic. It, yes, and also it, it has that weird cut that's in the like the front of the Gorf. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a, the Gorf is like a two-piece cabinet. It is with this large outer. I digress. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a two-piece cabinet. It's got a, a cube for a base, and then the sides are Tron-esque, where they the about the control panel area that it comes out to a point, and it's mirrored on the back, so it's not a flat back, and it has the protrusion for the yep. monitor. Yep. So. I had an opportunity long ago, a gentleman come on, Clove, I, I don't know if the pinball community is as familiar with Clove, Killerist of Video Games. KLOV. KLOV, yeah. Well, you're from Louisville. You I'm from know. Louisville, so we Clove it. It's Clove. And, and just let you know, my lady back is listening to us. Uh-huh. She says you have an accent. I do. Oh, I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. We, uh, we, uh, uh, I had an opportunity, someone come on, Clove, and they had... Uh, a couple of these games. I think they were in a church that they attended and they were trying to get the games running and everybody was hopping on. He had a Tron and a Gorf. 
and Tron was starting to really get into being the hot thing. You know, this was a long time ago. Probably 10, 12 years ago at this point. So I hit the guy up in, 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 in private message, and I just said, look, I think this is what's going on with your games. Check this, 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 this. If you have any other questions, give me a shout. If you do think about selling them, I'd, we'll ta- I'd be interested to talk, but if you want to try to fix them, just hit me up, and I'll see what I can do to help you. So we traded back and forth for a little bit, and he eventually said, look, I, they don't want them. I don't want them here. I, I, I do. He, he restored gas pumps, and he was kind of a gearhead. He had cars. And he, I said, I, I think I'll let him go. And he quoted me. A, we worked out a really reasonable price, not working. And uh, I made a trip up. Uh, my grandfather uh, and I, it was great time together. He jumped in my truck, and the two of us just rode up. We had a day trip up to Indianapolis, which was a couple hours away. It was just a great experience for both of us. And then I got there and realized I had to figure out how to get how these to get them into two, your these not just one, but the two weirdest shaped games in the back of my truck in such a way. And, and I had to do a tail. Usually, it's an eight foot bed. It'll swallow up two 19 inch monitor games, but I can't yep. lay them on their back. So I had to tetris them in there and weird <laughs> strap them and lay the tailgate down. But hey, yeah. we made it. We had a ball. So yeah, you know, every time we go to a uh, arcade convention, uh, whether it's Houston Arcade Expo or Dallas or whatever, we usually get a big truck and we're bringing 15, 20 games. Oh, yeah. And they're all different types of games, different sizes, different weights. And and we laugh about it. We say, yes, we're playing Tetris here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. We're trying to see how we can get twenty as many games we can into one truck. Yeah. And it, it makes it makes it that's always fun. I've done the the box truck loading stuff up helping folks move around and you're always playing the all right i can get against the right wall and the left wall do i how do i strap something in, in the, the middle? middle yeah yeah how does Those that were, that's where the less valuable games go <laughs> the stuff that can bang around a uh, a bit oh yeah yeah oh yeah it but I, do you do you do any like smaller trailers because i've looked at getting a, maybe a box trailer you you load you talking about heavy stuff. You load into the back of a of a tall pickup truck a couple of times, even a Nintendo. And, and you you're know like, you, you you get a method, but yeah, and and I don't know how much you have to unload and unload by yourself, but obviously gravity helps you when you're unloading. But yeah, uh, you know, you, nothing's worse than the games that have the wheels on the back of it. And you oh yeah, have to yeah, play that they, game <laughs> of like let's not let it roll out. And Rusty has an interesting story about that at his arcade where one. Ended up going through a window. Oh, geez. <laughs> he wasn't. Per- he was there, but he wasn't the one that was doing it. And I've had some incidents. Uh, this is something we talked about at our one of our previous shows. But about twenty years ago, I lost two games that went out of the back of my pickup truck. Oh, because geez. they weren't secured properly. I mean, it's entirely my fault. But so you know, I, yeah. I know what's well. Whitney. Whitney tells a story where he had. Um, we had this famous episode in the early days of the show. It's probably in the lower 10. And it's the joke had become about us talking like two hours on ratchet straps. And then the whole segment had to do with packaging, moving, loading games. And it was lessons learned. And shrink wrapping and all the stuff that kind of like we're talking about. And one of his lessons learned was... He thought he had, oh wait a minute you got a visitor. Oh, There's the legend, there. he the th- man, the legend. He thought Mr. he had, Billy Mitchell. He thought he had loaded up 
Are we Mr. Talking, Mitchell, can I have a handshake? Hand? Hand <laughs> hand <laughs> you, you weren't in the panel? No, <laughs> they don't. They did. They told me no. They kicked me out. Did you? Because you were the guy I was going to make an example of. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm an example for a lot of things. None of it's good. So. Uh, example. Get yeah, here. The example they gave you is a front shot and a side. A side shot, shot like a prison, <laughs> like a prison <laughs> shot. Get another chair. We'll slide you over. So one of the one of the things that he ended up doing was he lost a game to water. He and if memory serves, he had done the shrink wrap. Generally, you want to do it top down so that it overlap or no bottom up so that it'll overlap. And what ended up happening was is he kind of did it reverse and it ended up catching a bunch of water, and it. Did did a number on a crazy climber, which is a pretty hard oh, to kind of come no. by game. Yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to make a name for myself. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to know. Come on here, Billy, have a seat. All right. What is this? One of those collapsible chairs? So I'm gonna, I'm going to pass the mic over to Mr. No, Billy Mitchell. Stay with us. Oh, why am I going <laughs> to? I was going to go watch. I was going to go watch wrestling. <laughs> Oh, is that what's going on I wrestling? Look, we're, running, we're sharing a couple mics here, and I don't know if I can go cheek to cheek with Billy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to grow about a foot and a half. Oh yeah, Billy. Well, I'm not a tall guy, but I'm scrappy. I'm scrappy. <laughs> you're from you're from Kentucky. Yeah, you can handle yourself. Yeah, I, all I need is a two by four <laughs> and a skillet, go. and I'll be ready to go. Two by four and a skillet. <laughs> I, I think I've listened to that band before. Have you? <laughs> so, so yeah. What, Go ahead. No, oh, no, no. I was just, I was going to ask what happened to uh, Whitney. He couldn't make it be because of uh, like a work engagement. Or? Well, Whitney has been just really kind of uh, bowled over work wise, and then it just it just timing wise it didn't work out, and it it made more sense. He just he needed to stay back home. So I'm flying solo this year. Gotcha. So is Billy here to be interviewed, or Billy, is he just Billy hanging is out? Here. He has graciously agreed, and to he is just this. fresh out of his is panel and none of the three of you were there is that correct we, right. we had some we technical difficulties yeah. and started late but i could reverse this on you and say you were going to be with us before you did your panel and you weren't here yeah because oh. you had technical difficulties <laughs> exactly billy knows all he yeah. wasn't not gonna show our up. technical difficulty was that our mixer is having problems so we only have two, two microphones lines. so we're going to make the best of a bad situation well there's four of us here and the people are only interested in one guy speaking there so we only need the one guy that's talking right now the man the man in the the suit with the american flag tie can't beat that Hey, let me ask you, Billy. You just went through this conver- this uh, panel in here. I'm sure the questions came up. Thank you. How do you feel how that panel went? I think I went easy on them. Did you? <laughs> and um, but what I liked was I was cautious. What I said is stuff I have in writing. Anybody can see it. It's right here. It was in my hand. Uh huh. And some of it is. Uh, Handled or custodian by Neil, some by my wife, the family things. Uh-huh. And anybody can see it. Anything I say, you can back up. Oh, wow. We, we have it's, a PowerPoint presentation coming it's our not, way. <laughs> I, as I said there, I said, I wow, want you, I want you to see. Yeah, yeah. I say, I want you to see what is real, not according to Billy Mitchell. Uh-huh. Okay, for example... I'm getting this dispute started. This is Alpine Ski. I'm getting this dispute started for later. What does that mean? You got a problem or you don't? I'm getting this dispute started 
for later when other players with more info chime in since they don't have enough ranking to start a dispute. So let's start a dispute on Alpine Ski. Okay, it says, suffice to say, thought that the score was not done on the right settings. He says he's unsure. Yeah, what does but, that even mean? But he wants to start a dispute. But he's not even sure whether or not in he case, has grounds he doesn't, to stand he doesn't know where In case starting. somebody else wants to do it. So this came to me from a friend who said, it just goes to show you how freaking messed up these people are. That's just wacky. Okay. There's the airway, Bill. I, I will say this. Billy is well prepared for what he's Absolutely. talking about. I mean, Everything. He's got papers. There's, yeah, the he's air, there's the airway, Bill, for the board that went to and from Nintendo. You see the guy's name at the bottom? Wayne Shrek. Okay. Were we supposed to say that? The, the question, if not, you can bleep it out. Okay. Well, okay. this is live, by the way. And what is, what is his position there at Nintendo? Take a look at that. Senior engineer of Nintendo. He is reasonably qualified. I would say. I would think so. He's worked there since the early 80s. Yeah. I just, of course, they might have forgot to put that. They might have forgot to put that in there. Okay, Twin Galaxies not only accepted the score, they were happy with it. They were there. They witnessed it happen. And they put it on their TV, on their internet show. Uh-huh. And we talked about it in 2008. Yeah. Somehow it's not that important now, is it? It's actually not that important to me because I don't need them or anybody to do it or redo it. And as you see, I walk around here, and I don't walk on anybody's coattails. No, I, I'm – so, Billy, let me I'm be honest with you. When we, we first talked about – What do you mean be honest with me? No, you think – what, do you lied to me every time to this point? <laughs> well, I haven't does. had a chance to talk to you that much. So – we we had these conversations and you know hey we want to interview Billy and things and and I was like wow there's a lot of things, but when I came over here last just this last yesterday and today and, and got to see you and talk to you and the way you're handling yourself and the way you're making the conversations, brother I, I have no doubt whatsoever of of what you're presenting and your integrity and and you're straightforward you're ready to face it head on and and I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, you've never ducked out of this situation. You never stayed away from it, hoping it will go away. You've come right. in headstrong, talking to all the mm -hmm. people that, well, the people that may be coming after you may, aren't here, and, right. and you are. Well, those naysayers, you notice I never say their name. Never. This is distracting when this dinosaur... Start, there's start, a dinosaur start. running by us right now. Sorry, yeah. I digress. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you just told yeah, me yeah. Notice I never say their names because I don't give them that credibility. Right. But right. you're right. Those people we speak of, they don't come to the show. They don't advocate for competitive gaming. They don't advocate for the hobby that we all enjoy. They just cry. And, they and just that's bitch. what you told me is you know what you said you you were here for the show and to bring things in. So so talk a little bit about that about your. Family. The idea is that sharing the passion for gaming, the fun, uh, the experience, and the life experience that it is that we all share, um, all of us sitting here, and you pass that on in the right way to the right people. Actual, think about the four of us here, me included. Actually going and playing a game here at a show, that's the least part of what it is we do. And, he, and to play and interact with people that have seen what you do, have appreciation or admir admiration for what you do, that's far greater than 
what? You get up there, play a game, have people gather around, watch you for five minutes, move along, another group of people show up. I learned that because I, I had a different perspective. But in New York, a guy asked me, he said, I have a movie theater. He said, I have a little arcade with it. I want you to come here, and I want you to play. I want to show a movie. And I thought about it, and my daughter was in New York, and I says, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I went there, and I arrived at about 6 o'clock, and I sat there, and I played a game. It was all roped off. I didn't realize I was young and dumb. Now I'm just dumb. But I went there in that roped-off section, and I stood there for five hours playing a game and showing off and having fun. And the place closed up, and everyone was pushed out the door. Well, then... Out came the fangs of legitimate good people. We drove there two and a half hours, and that arrogant guy couldn't even turn around and say hi to us or talk to us or give us a photo or an autograph or say hi to my son or my daughter. And that's when I kind of realized that to sit there and play a game or to be some big shot and show off or produce a score, do you think anybody sees me and says, oh God, oh God, that's the 1.062800 Donkey Kong guy. They don't know the score. Half of them don't even know the games. They just have an appreciation for the fun we have and the goodwill that we spread. So that was like a lesson that has stuck with me. You know, a little girl came and wrote a paper about how she played Pac-Man against Billy Mitchell and turned it into a teacher and got an A. Now she brought it back this year to show it to me. Yeah, there's an extreme level of satisfaction for that. So that's kind of what we do. That's fantastic. And, you know, Billy, you're, this goes much beyond the high scores of everything. I see you as an ambassador for this hobby, for this, uh, for, for all of this, what we're, all this around us, and, uh, you know, a way to kind of pass it down to the next generation. You're, you're, I always have thought of you as a good spokesperson for, for this. And, you know, that can't take that away that's uh you know it's 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 really i always love seeing you at these shows and well billy i've seen you i don't know how many shows two i no <laughs> no not two too many too many, too many. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> and you know you know personally i've told so, several stories in that i have you, you'll sign every autograph, you'll take every picture, you'll sit and talk with anybody that has any passion, any interest, which is everybody that comes to these shows. Absolutely. And you genuinely mean it. You, well, well, to expand on what you said, is I, I have never said no to an autograph, question, handshake, mm -hmm. photo, huggies, all that stuff. And I warned Preston here the first year. For example, he has... Speaking of which, actually someone has walked up and... It's like well, you he's know, got his daughter, and he's looking for a signature. We, we got to keep our priorities straight. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know. Absolutely. We, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember one of the uh, first uh, SFGEs, actually, at the old hotel, the, the hotel where the event was at the first couple of years. They had this long hallway. And, uh, we're going to go for a picture, too. We had this long hallway that come off the main, uh, I guess, atrium for the hotel, and down that hallway was the rooms for the panels and a few other things and the game room. And I don't know how many times, I, Billy, I saw you 
walk that hallway end to end. You would get at one end and someone would, Billy, and you turn around. You you must have worn out a pair of shoes that weekend. <laughs> walk in that hallway, somebody'd see you, Billy, and you go take a picture, shake a hand. And you, you just made that trip time and time again. And it, like you said, it was, you're, it's like an ambassadorship for, for the community. All right, we taking pictures? No, keep going. Keep, all right, I've got to keep going. I'm not, so this, I'm not Rain, telling if you Bill, have nothing else, you have the gift of gab. I do, I do. Am I telling Billy? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell Billy Mitchell today. stories. So yeah, so actually, uh, uh, families just come up and they ask for an autograph. And you know, case in point, like Billy said, what what's important? And it's there's you know a, a youngster here with us. How old do you think she 11? is? Probably eleven ish. Yeah, you know, and that's and, you know. She's going to be so excited to see him, and, and uh, she's their hot. Uh, their bottle of hot sauce sign. <laughs> you know, she's going to be the next generation of what we do. You know, so many yeah. people talk about what yeah. happens as we start to move on. Is anybody going to really care in twenty years? You know, what's a monster bash or what's a Pac Man or? And you see kids like this just big smiles on their face and getting you know getting to kind of meet everybody and you're exposed to this community and and you know that's where the future is right there honestly yeah, yeah it really is he's he's his thing now one of the things when he sits back down here we billy we we really appreciate everything you're doing but you know what let's we oh we're gonna stop stroking your ego now let me ask you a question well, 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 well here i wanted to expound on what you said I'm going to stroke his I've head had, for a few minutes. Hold on, you talk about it's, it's I, dreamy, it I would is. say. If I was to use one word, that would be it. No, I had to warn Preston when we started this show, two things. I hate wearing a badge. Um, you don't want one of these things around your neck? Yeah, like, I just, like, I don't have Respond, a reason. I just way. don't. Everybody knows who you are. It's all right. Yeah. Good point. And, and he said, don't worry about it. And I said, here's the other thing. The badge is not serious. I could wear a badge. But what I'm serious about is... so. I, as you see, there's times when I'm here at the table uh-huh. and there's 10 groups of people, 10, and they want a question or a handshake or an autograph or a huggies or a story or um, whatever they want, a selfie. And I says to them, I go, I don't care what we have scheduled. If somebody's at this table, I'm not walking away. I'm never going to be that guy. And so he's done a great job because he schedules something. And he tells me far in advance, so, okay, it's, you know, 20 minutes away. So during that 20 minutes, I wait to that one minute where there's not somebody at the table, boom, and I bolt. Now, on the way there, there'll be people stop me on the way. And I say, I'm sorry, I can't walk past people who say, Billy, can I get a picture? No, I'm too busy. I mean, think about that. That sounds like something Billy Mitchell would do. (laughs) You know, and I mean, it's just... I never wanted to be that guy, and so far I haven't been, and, and I'm just never gonna be. And you know, I, going- I, I love being the opposite guy from what I portray, because it knocks people on their heels. Right, and that's what I was gonna go towards. We're talking about years ago now when the movie, when the King of Kong came out, but it portrayed, you know, through edit, whatever, through the storyline, through editing, it kind of portrayed you as the bad guy. But 
anybody that's ever met you know it's the knows that it's the uh, complete opposite. You're so accommodating for anybody that wants to talk to you, like mm -hmm. like us. And right. it's just you're right. If I can accommodate you guys, I, I can accommodate anybody. Anybody. He's been on our show, so what's that say? <laughs> oh yeah, well that's true. He, now he didn't have to go to Kentucky to do that, did he? Yes, he did. He actually came to us. Really? Yeah, that was like a year before last year. Uh, yep. And they had yeah. the banjo. I was going to say, do they assign the banjo to you, or yeah. did you have to purchase your own? Yeah. When you come into the airport, they hand you one. Yes. <laughs> Is that the way that works? Yeah, and then they. <laughs> They ask you if you got a sister because you got to marry her. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, but being an ambassador for competitive gaming, uh, for the historical preservation of gaming, no, I mean, it's cool, it's fun. It's what we have. It's hard for some people to believe that the funnest thing, the thing that's the most fun, whatever that proper English is, is not having the highest score. Nobody here... Almost nobody who comes to the table can name that score on any game. I mean, they can't, and that's kind of cool. If they could, if everybody could, that would be, like, Just superficial, yeah. Just Somebody names a score, I'd say, how long would that take me? They wouldn't know that answer. It's not about that. It's a far greater issue. That's why the silliness we're talking about that's uh, provoked by a shock jock and a group of naysayers, as you can see, it just doesn't have any impact. Right. It doesn't. That's what I've noticed. That's that's really what I've noticed, and I, I can I very I admire you for that. Yeah. So what what's what's future for Billy? Where's Billy going? Where's Billy five years from now? Oh, well, five years. Ooh. Should we go shorter? One year? Well, no, five years. I have a, a number of things scheduled, a number of countries. Without lying, it's a standing joke, but it's no joke that I have a couple of things that I have to turn down because. I won't miss my son's football games, not even for a trip around Sweet. the world. And too many people schedule stuff during that time. But now that my youngest is in college, uh -huh. for the first time, and this is only the second show that my wife's ever come with me on, so she'll come more often. So the idea of going certain places, the idea of going to London, that's a life experience. Sure. So to be able to take her there because of the fun we have, that's obviously on you know on the agenda uh -huh. and where that takes me I don't know there's been several TV people and movie people that have approached with ideas that somebody else is you know working on other than me somebody smarter than me uh -huh. on my behalf um, exactly where that lands I, I mean I don't know yeah um, but we'll so see. what do you I've noticed and I don't know the hot sauce the, tell us about the other ventures you're involved in right now well what happens is everything you see at the table I either create or I donate and the money that people donate because you come up there and you say how much is this poster I'm not going to charge you anything if it's that important just take it whatever money you do leave it gets donated to the card project the award project because there's no funding for it and, and the card project that's Walter Day's uh, Twin Galaxy trading cards Walter Day Twin Walter Day uh, card collection and um, so the funding goes towards there and to say people are generous is an understatement and you know there's little kids who just come and say can I have this picture yeah take it so um, and that's cool I mean to see some kid that's seven years old that's that interested that's like really cool so, so tell me about the hot sauce well in 1986 or so 
when I realized I couldn't play video games forever, even though I wanted to. <laughs> I couldn't get paid for it like Todd was. Oh, yeah. Um, I turned my obsessive personality towards something that I thought I could do better than anybody. Being in the restaurant business, the family, our largest item was chicken wings. And on wings, the most important or yeah. item is hot sauce, or the sauce. The sauce, that goes on. So I just was obsessive that I could do it better than anyone in the world. And that's what I did. And the truth is, think about that obsessiveness. I actually worked and worked that business that I started. I started that in 1991 on my own. Uh-huh. And I actually worked it for 12 years before I ever made a dollar. So this hot sauce has been around since 91? Oh no, it was around before then, long before then. But I started marketing it um, okay. on my own ah, okay. in 1991. Prior to that, there were other people helping me. Different ideas didn't pan out. Okay. Um, everybody sort of abandoned the thoughts. But I had new ideas and a new angle. And you talk about delayed gratification. Yeah. What job would you do besides this one? What job would you do for 12 years and not get paid? Mm -hmm. But uh, it was great for me. And I learned the value of delayed gratification. Cool. How's the restaurant going? Um, busy. It's a family restaurant. It's mom, dad, all the kids. So that's a lot more complicated and less fun than the hot sauce. In the hot sauce, the only boss I have is my wife. So it's, it's great. It it's, gives a lot of freedom to be able to adjust your schedule to do things like this or go to my son's football or whatever my daughter has going on. So she's... It's, it's nice that you can bring your wife now. This is the first time I've seen her with you. So tell us, how do people find out more about your hot sauce, how to get some of it? Can they find it online? Can they get it? Sure, they can come to the show here and they can get it. <laughs> awesome. So There you go. Is that the only place you, set, you, you distributed is through the show? Um, no, it's in Walmart or Sam's Club, rather. It's, it it's in a lot of Florida, southern Georgia, not this far north. Wow. Is there a website or some place where people can go to see where you will be next? You know, the truth is, regardless of what you see online, I don't have an internet presence. Although you think you went on my Facebook and you think oh, you friend requested me, you it's didn't. Not you. It's not. You have no social media presence. There's about seven Facebooks that are Billy Mitchell, and I've been shown them, and some of them are very flattering, a better job than I would do. Uh huh. And one guy who has been doing it so long and does such a good job and he was tired of it, was gonna turn it over to Walter, he hasn't yet. And, but I mean, I just don't. I think, good God, I would fall into the internet and I would never come out. Usually, gee, how would you know? That's a good question. I don't know, I'll get back to you on that. Very contemplative. He's, he's yeah. really thinking about it. So. The, the conversation in the back, he's giving these things have been happening, but the folks listening say, believe it or not, it goes over and we sound okay. So, um, but uh, now there's another, are you also involved in the uh, gamers? Oh, the, the magazine, the Retro Gamers. Oh, magazine. Old School Gaming Magazine. Old, old school gaming. No, but they're friendly, and we actually normally have tables side by side. Oh, is that what, okay. And it just, it's a magazine that well represents 
the passion that we all have. It's near the original uh, headquarters in Otomo, Iowa. It's near that. So it's a lot of fun. Billy's being asked for yeah. another photo op. So we're, we're going to step this down a little bit. We're going to, uh, this should be a good. Okay. Do you, you want to keep going? Hang in there. No, I'm good. Let, let's, I'm good. let's let him. Uh, yeah, give him 30 seconds. Billy, okay. 30 seconds. Okay. okay. Billy's going to take a picture with someone. And go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Billy. Go, Billy. Go. You guys are just jealous. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. <laughs> Rusty, do you want to keep going at this point? Uh, we've been almost three hours, and they have yeah, a cutout, yeah, so we're going to have to cut out pretty quick. Folks, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We're going to say goodbye to Billy here in just a second. And in case he has any closing words, I'm going to leave the microphone yeah. open for him. Yeah. And then they're actually going to start wrestling. It's going to get loud <laughs> in the in door here. next door, so it's going to get pretty loud. So we're going to we're going to sign off here with Mr. Billy. Any final words, brother? Buy low, sell high. Always play words to win. Words of wisdom, Billy. Words of wisdom. Never surrender. Never. Never. You want to look to be with people that represent your future, not your history, and you'll always be headed in the right direction. Fantastic, brother. Billy, thank you very much for spending some time with us. And we hope to see you soon at the next expo. Expo, maybe. Houston Arcade Expo, maybe. We'd love to have you come down. So where I go, you may be there. Sorry? So where I go, you may be there. Uh, You could could call me a stalker. I I don't know. I appreciate the warning that you'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll see you from the shadows. (laughs) Thank you very much. No, thank you. Guys, we are have been going long enough, so I think we are going to take this opportunity to sign off. Rusty, do you have anything else to say? No, this has been great. I am so glad I came here, enjoyed the time. Even even though I had to miss seeing the lady for a while, I am so happy to be here. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Arcade Repair Tips question and answer podcast. All of our episodes are available for download at ArcadeRepairTips.com or at the iTunes Music Store under podcast. This podcast is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.